This is Podcast for Columbus. Recording from Columbus, Ohio, home of the hardest working team, Coda Stewart, Cameron McKay, Max Brunke, and Todd Fichtenberg are talking all things soccer. Columbus Crew, International, Premier League, and everything in between. Welcome to our conversation. Welcome to Podcast for Columbus, recording live here on August 29th, 2020 from the Crew Corner in Northern Columbus. I'm Todd Fichtenberg at Todd33, and with me is Dakota Stewart at Dakota Stewart, and special guest Cam McKay at Cam McKay97, and Max Brunke, who can be found at Max Brunke Tweets. This is Conversation 38. It's taken us a long time to get here. The world keeps falling apart every time we try to podcast. So don't forget to use that hashtag AskP4C, which I forgot to tweet something out so there won't be any questions. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, you can go to anchor.fm slash podcast for Columbus for all of our listening links, including Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google+. Hopefully that's still up because it's been so long. Uh, so with that, let's get right into it. Kick off. This is a segment where we review the most recent match, and since we've had several matches last time we recorded, I thought we'd just give our general thoughts of the MLS's back tournament along with the last two games. Um, I know some of us were more excited to talk about previous games than others, um, so this might uh, we might breeze through this. But first, um, I can't believe it's that long ago already. But July eleventh, twenty twenty, we played Cincinnati. Um, and annihilated them four to nothing. Um, we had four goals in that game. Um, Zell Ryan with the goal of the year contender, and that's a tease for later. Um, Zardes scored with assisted by Mokhtar. Um, Zardes scored assisted by Zell Ryan. Mokhtar scored assisted by Jimenez and Zell Ryan. And the bad news is that Wormhor li- leaves with an injury. And to my knowledge, he's still injured. Um, so I don't know if anybody has an update on that one because I have not really kept up with the news. Four to six months. Oh, really? Is it he need surgery? <laughs> Is Dr. Edwards doing the surgery? <laughs> well, I mean, he, he already went back to the Netherlands. Like, he's just there for the rest of the year. He did have surgery early on, but there's, like, just no chance of him playing a Columbus game mm. at, for the rest of this season. So is he homesick and going back to the Netherlands? Is that what's going on? Exactly. Yeah. Because that seems to be the theme. I really enjoyed his play throughout the first two games of the season as well. I thought he was he was very solid in the NYC game, the first one, in um, March. And, yeah, I, I it's it's a tough loss, but I, we've been handling really well at defense. Obviously, we just had, what, 500-plus minutes of score, scoreless games. Oh. So, Oh, yeah, the whole MLS back is back tournament had – we were um, – until we lost, we were, had, were not scored upon. Um, and actually, I know that this is an unorganized mess because um, we're back in preseason form. But uh, what were your general thoughts of MLS back? I know some people didn't care. I thought it was interesting. I wasn't really caring about winning the trophy or not. But um, the part that annoyed me the most was every time the crew won, it was, oh, they had easy competition. Um, and what was, th- what was it when we played Minnesota? Um, they were like, oh, these are already the champions or something like that. So, Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, the me- the media f- around the crew for MLS is back. It w- I agree. It was it was very, um, not really libelous, but just just libelous. rude, <laughs> just rude. Um, seven to zero for through the group stage, uh, outscoring opponents seven to zero. I mean, that's that's a great feat. 
And uh, I did care about winning the trophy up until we, we lost. And then um, Dakota helped me calm down from that. But um, uh, with Cincinnati, I thought that uh, Zalarian's free kick goal was mm. – uh, as a crew fan, we never really get that free kick specialist. And and seeing that was such a refresher to know that this season is going to get kicked off on the right foot. And it, that's what continued throughout the group stage. I think, honestly, that set a great stage for the crew to succeed on in MLS's back. Uh, does people score that free kick? No. Does people take that free kick? Yes. <laughs> Wall. <laughs> or wide. No, that was actually uh, <laughs> that was actually a beautiful. Yeah, it was definitely a great way to kick off for me. That you know, soccer's back because I wasn't sure how it was going to go. I guess once again, I should. Um, at this point, it's been so long. I'm sure the audience knows, but if I ever listen back to this, which I probably won't, um, <laughs> the uh, the whole MLS back. The idea was they were in a bubble in Orlando. Um, two teams were basically kicked out. Um, Nashville and Dallas um, for having positive COVID tests. Um, everybody else kind of were stuck, you know, without their families, without their um, significant others. And so I wasn't sure how it was going to play out. Um, then there's the whole ethical question of, you know, people can't get testing, but here let's give these people 10 tests a day um, just because they're sports players. But that was the moment, like, during the 27th minute where I was like, oh, good. We actually can watch real soccer again because f- those games we had in March – I thought, man, we're well on our way to winning this season um, until the world fell apart. Yeah, overall, I I mean, I was for the tournament happening. Um, I w- it was one of those things where it's like, ideally, I would have preferred to just play in our market, play a normal MLS schedule. But at the time, it seemed like the only option. And so it was a cool way to have, like, it wasn't just, you know, a meaningless tournament in the sense because they – with the money in the Champions League spot, there was something we were going for, which I was excited about trying to win. Um, all the talk about, oh, well, should they just do it every year now? I'm not really for that. I think no. the season is fine how it is. It just, the circumstances we were under this year, it was a good way to, it was a good way to have something. And obviously now we're progressing into the regular season. Although it was cool that the first three games did count towards the season because that really helps us with how we perform there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a cool thing. It was good to have Columbus crew soccer back. That was the main thing for me. The problem with the tournament being that way for forever is people are like, well, that's how the world cup is. But I mean, how many games do, do pe- teams play to qualify in Europe? What, isn't it like something like 12 or 15 games before you qualify to get, um, seated. So, I mean, it, to me, that doesn't make too much sense to call that an actual tournament, but I want to hear from Dakota in English about what he thought of that Zell Ryan free kick. I mean, it was a great free kick, probably one of the best that we've seen in a crew jersey yes. in the re- in the past recent years anyway. Obviously, we haven't scored very many, and there was a stat that came out. Like, the only player that scored a free kick for Columbus since, like, 2013 or something was Iguain. Really? So it was cool to see a different player actually score from the from the free kick spot, wherever that was. Um, so, yeah, I liked it. It was, like, it was a great way to get him started in this tournament, a uh, great way for him to – boost his name within Columbus, within the crew community. So I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I hope we get to see him play again here real soon. Yeah. Um, on July 16th, uh, we played the Red Bull and won 2 nothing. Um, we had another Zardas goal, um, this time assisted by Santos, and then Cadden with that hockey assist. 
And then uh, Zelrayan got another goal, this time assisted by Etienne. When I was doing these notes, I forgot about that. I said Etienne only did one good thing during the tournament, but I guess he did too. Um, and then in this game, another negative, even though we won 2 nothing, Room gets a knock. You know, uh, does anybody know if he's planning on coming back soon? <laughs> yeah, it, it just kind of feels like last season because last season we had the injury plague. Uh, so this season we started off kind of on the same foot. Ru- or, uh, Wormgore took a knock, r- Room, and then later on in the tournament, uh, Zellerion also got yeah got his injury. But it's just like it kind of frustrates you because we, we built such a good roster for this season. Uh, and, and I mean, the guys that are playing are still playing well, but it's still, it, it always sits in the back of your mind. Like, is this the same thing that's going to happen that happened last year? All these injuries, are we just going to be, uh, you know, just bottom of the barrel? <laughs> yeah, that's why I just think of back the, the the year that didn't happen, 2015, we had like no injuries. The only injury I remember is Finley breaking his toe and still playing. And so whatever team science they had back then to keep the injuries away was awesome and I kind of don't really know what's going on with all the injuries. Um, anything else from this game from uh, Cam or Matt? Uh, I, honestly, I just remember this game kind of being gross and us getting two goals from it because it's not that we didn't play well. It's just that it wasn't what we saw against Cincinnati and I thought that disappointed a lot of fans. I personally, you know, I was disappointed but also it's it's not that big of a deal. We got a two zero win. I'll take I'll take three points any day. Um, so this it was a very indifferent game for me. Yeah. Um, I, I I thought it was a great watch. You know, crew crew soccer is back. That's that was really the mindset throughout this whole tournament for me. I was just happy to watch crew soccer again, and um, to get a two zero win against the Red Bulls, who are historically a good MLS team. I think that's a great win. Yeah, one thing that I was excited about at the end of this game was. I feel like in the Burhalter era, we would have not been able to finish it out, especially with, what wasn't there, like seven or eight extra minutes or something of added time? Um, so we had at least 15 minutes of room hopping around, and, and the team, they finished it out. Um, Cam, I don't know if you had anything to say about this game. I think the only extra takeaway from this game to add is um, Sebastian Burhalter made his yes. crew debut. Um, Olin Tangio Orange alumni, just like to throw that up there. Shout why out who, to Seabass. Why, who else is from uh, Orange? Um, a lot of people. <laughs> oh my God, I can't think of his name. We Max had a, there's another Max Brunke is from Orange. Um, That's we had a, there was another crew player that came out of Orange. But anyways, was it uh, Swanson? No, he's no. Grove City actually. Oh, it's Aaron something. Was it Will Trapp? No, he's Gahanna. I knew that. Aaron something. I don't know. He's like 2010, 2011. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I thought it was a good debut from him. I think in that game and in the later games, I think he's shown that he's a already at this age is at least a rotational caliber MLS central midfielder. Um, and so I was impressed by him in a little bit of time. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was just good to, you know, is he 19 now, if not 18 to play, you know, a kid like that in a game where we still could have let it slip away. Um, it was just good to see from Caleb. Yeah, I was I was very impressed by him. I'm glad you brought this up because uh, I think that the last time I watched him um, in a in a game that and it wasn't with the crew because this was before he because you don't was, watch preseason. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I meant um, just outside of the crew in general. Wait, does he watch any crew games? Me? Yeah, I don't know. You might find out when we you know keep keep <laughs> keep talking, but. Um, 
He was uh, I I thought he was a good player, but I, is, I didn't see I didn't see that MLS caliber out of him, and now I now I do now I I think uh, after the most recent game that he played in, I thought he was he was solid, not amazing. And I mean that's kind of what you would expect. Like it's better than you would expect out of an. I mean yeah, road. he's 18, 19. That's that's incredible. As a crew fan, I mean we can't really hope for much else. No, I mean yeah, especially but for like for Sibba Burhalter, I think he's stepped up and he has a lot of maturity about him especially just for being 19 years old right of the right out of the academy i know he played uh, a little while in north carolina but uh he's a crew academy product like he knows the system and you can you can tell like the the way that he's been playing the past couple games i I, he's only come in for substitutions recently but uh he really and i know this sounds cliche but he really does remind me a lot of will trap in his advanced years, like not not Will Trap, like right when he got started, but like the prime of Will Trap that right. we saw. That's what I see from Sebastian Berhalter, which is sur- which is kind of promising because I mean you can only go up from there. Yeah, that's what kind of surprised me the most, as as you guys are saying, <laughs> is that uh, uh, you know a lot of times people with the name um, they just don't have the talent to back it up and kind of think that they're the best in the show, but he kind of had that, that quiet confidence about him. He just went about his thing and did his thing. So the next game was Atlanta one nothing. Now that game was pretty boring. That was a pretty preseasonish, boring game. Um, crew won one nothing. Uh, Mokhtar was assisted by Valenzuela in the 18th minute. A thing I thought was pretty funny about this, well, not funny is not the right word, but Tarbell, actually, I thought, wow, we have a great backup goalie. Now, that dissipated quickly in the next few games, but in the Atlanta game, I was like, wow, he made, actually made quite a few saves that... Um, I'm not sure. Um, they, they were actually really good saves. I think he's been a pretty serviceable backup keeper. But that's um, what I'm saying. I don't disagree with that. I'm talking about in terms of, like, he was like a lights-out keeper in this game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, he had to step up. Like, yeah. this is his do-or-die moment. Like, he's showing the coaching staff what he's capable of in a game-like situation, which was a game. Um, but, yeah, I thought he did a fantastic job in this game especially. Uh, definitely made me confident if room is out for any period for of sure. time to be able to have him there because our backup goalkeepers recently in, in years past have not been at this level. Um, we've seen that with se- several goalkeepers. <clears throat> Brad Stuver. Yeah, you can you can name uh, – there's a whole list unblocked of – Unblocked by one. Hey, he unblocked me. <laughs> nice. I got unblocked by – Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, but I mean like, Kempen. I don't know why. There's like a list of supplemental goalkeepers that we've gone through in years past that just have not been at that level. So I think it's good to have – a, a backup goalkeeper at the level of Andrew Tarbell, so I think I think we're solid there. I I agree one hundred percent with you. I think I, I Tarbell really did impress me outside the Atlanta game. I thought he's been very solid in the past. The past he makes me really nervous. Two, yo, like he, he, he makes me mistakes. really nervous. Yeah, but I, he makes me nervous. That he's like almost like he, he, you know he doesn't have that confidence. Hopefully that comes. But I think. But that game, Atlanta game, that was. I don't feel like I've seen him play the same. But he, this yeah. We'll get to it, but I think the Minnesota game was my. I was when I was most disappointed in him. I, I thought the goal that he let in was savable, but all six of them. Minnesota. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll talk about that win. That one is where we left the tournament. Um, I wasn't really expecting to win, but when we um, were the only unscored upon undefeated team, um, I thought, man, we might actually be able to win this fake little tournament. But uh, it was not meant to be as we played the fighting Ethan Finleys and tied them 1-1. Um, 
there's a if you look at my backyard, I'm up here in Lewis Center. Um, there's a soccer ball out there, and that's from the Zardas penalty miss. Oh, that's not this game. Never mind. I ruined my joke too early. <laughs> he actually scored. He scored. Jeez. And <laughs> I wrote here Zardas penalty in my brain. See, this is what happens. But um, but no, he actually he actually didn't score the penalty that he got in this game. He actually um he scored the rebound. So he, it's a goal. It's not a penalty goal. But um, and then we lost on penalties five three. Um, which was disappointing, but <laughs> I wasted my jokes. That's about all I got to say on this game. I I was just really disappointed that when we got to Penns, I think it was just like known that we were not going to win, and that's really I, yeah. I, Why do you I say had, that? Well, I don't know. I just felt the confidence in the players, and especially like me. <laughs> I just watch. I watched that game, and I thought we have no. We have no forward play. We don't look like we want to. We want to really create all that much. And then we kind of came alive for a little bit, and then we went back to sleep. And I, when Pence came along, I was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't see us. I don't see us having the confidence to put in five pens, maybe more, if if need be." Um, I did, however, trust Tarbell in that moment. I I thought that. Well, that was a mistake. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh. I thought that he's having a bad game. He's going to redeem himself. Not really. But uh, pens are hard for a goalkeeper. Yeah. I'm, I'm very lenient when it comes to that. So that's my main yeah, takeaway. The only thing I found annoying was that as a, play, as a non-player, I noticed that he dove right every single time. Yeah. And they and the players capitalized on it. And always went left at after. I think the first was the first or second one was down the center, but then he went left every single mm-hmm. time. And I thought... If I could pick up on that, surely the goalkeeper could pick up on that. Everybody knows he's going to dive the same way. So this actually, that reminded me of um, a t- when I was playing a tournament years ago, five or six years ago, uh, my coach told our goalkeeper that he should just keep diving the same way. Mm. Don't, change, don't change it up. Just keep going. One of them, they're not going to, they're going to shoot that way and you're going to save it. It's Maybe that like was the mindset, but I don't, I don't think so. Like... I was watching I a, a, a UCL game and Schmeichel was the one of the hosts, and that's what he said. He said that he always dove, he picked one spot, and that's all he did the entire game. And then they, the his co-host asked him if he ever won a penalty shot, and he said no. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's not a great strategy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. <laughs> I think my big biggest takeaway from the Minnesota game was just how one-dimensional we were. Mm-hmm. I think Minnesota kind of, I mean. I believe they had an entire, an entire week to prep for us. And they really just kind of figure out exactly what we did in those first three games, figured out how to shut it down. And we just looked like, oh, well, this doesn't work anymore. What do we do now? And that's kind of what it was for the entire game. Um, we got the goal that tied it. Um, but I agree with Max, like heading the penalties. Like I just felt like you could just see the frustration on our every single player on our team's face. Like, because, I mean, I think we were the better team. Like, I fully believe we are better than Minnesota United. And I think they're a good team, too. But, I mean, they pretty much just bunkered for 90 minutes. And we just could not, with all of the attacking talent we had in the game, we just could not break them down. There was just no plan to open them up. And um, I think when Lucas had a chance, like, I believe it was like the 93rd minute, where he probably could have laid it off to... I'm not sure which winger it was. 
and they they were open they would have had an open shot on net i also feel like a player of his caliber probably should have scored and it just goes straight to the keeper you know he rolls around on the floor slaps the floor everyone else just looks like they're completely gassed and the final whistle blows i i mean i felt like it was over and unfortunately it was proven right yeah anything from coda yeah for me for the minnesota game I don't want to say that the players were already out of it mentally, but I didn't see the same team that I saw in the group stage, um, especially noting uh, Caleb Porter had said on and on in every interview, basically before and after every single group stage game, that they're 100% focused on the group stage, getting nine out of nine points so that that counts for league table. Um, That's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because this the Minnesota game didn't matter for the regular season. Correct. It was just those first three games, so we got nine points. Yeah, yeah. so I think – it was just kind of like a switch in the player's mind. Okay, we got, we did what we came here to do, and after that, it's if we win, good. If we don't, we're we're really not out anything. So I think that that played a huge role, um, it, because honestly, the the same players went out and they played the same game. They played the same style. Minnesota sat back, yes, but I don't feel like we were mentally a hundred percent locked into this game like we were in, in the group stage. So I think it was kind of like. You know, we're, we miss our families. We're ready to go home. We've done what we came to do, and that's that. So, for me, I, I think that's where we are. I would have loved to be able to go forward and win the tournament, get a CONCACAF Champions League yeah. spot. That would be cool. Uh, nice little prize money. I think it was like a, a million, two million, roughly, between there. But, I mean, uh, it, it is what it is. I mean, we got the, the league points that we, we were after, so hopefully we can – use those to our advantage to hopefully go for a supporter shield and a good spot for Eastern Conference final. Yeah, I know you and I had talked about that, that the only, like, I guess, benefit of winning was that, that cha- CONCACAF Championships League uh, berth. Um, we are actually sitting second as of now in both the, the whole MLS and the Eastern Conference, the 16 points, um, Toronto being in first. With, I think it was 17. And we do have a game in hand. Yeah. Oh, we do? Oh. Okay. So, well, when we win this one, we'll, we'll be good. We'll be... Uh, 19 points. So Toronto's scary, though, yeah. because they only have to play Canadian teams. Yeah, <laughs> that's a fair point, yeah. Yeah, I was actually just going to get in that bit. So now we're under the quote-unquote return to play where MLS intends to play additional 18 regular season matches, um, and they have the first phase right now, which is supposed to go through September 14th, um, where every team plays six matches except um, FC Dallas, Nashville, because of their – um, corona situation and then the Canadian clubs due to travel restrictions and yeah and when you have to play Minnesota and Vancouver nonstop, that is true that is going to be a pretty what's that Montreal. what did I say Minnesota Minnesota <laughs> well I had the same M right. thing yeah <laughs> that's true actually they should kick Minnesota out I mean they're right there on the border and put them in put them in Canada. that's what I thought they did for a second when you said that I was like oh. well <laughs> yeah so Portland Portland's actually um not Portland sorry Vancouver there's a little tiny itsy bitsy itsy bitsy little section that's in the United States of Vancouver. So we should we should kick Vancouver out and say, hey, they're an American city, so therefore, <laughs> well, that's not yeah, good. That's <laughs> that's where uh, Kakutamana yeah. lived for smart. <laughs> that's really for cool. years to get a citizenship. <laughs> um, yeah, and so they, the league plans on releasing the schedule early September, um, and then they have decision day set for November eighth, which I think is amazing. Like um, that's because it looks like they want to finish up. MLS Cup before is it before Thanksgiving? Um, 
So uh, it's I don't a, think that's I, possible. I'm pretty sure it's the like first. It's it'll it's be like, it'll be the first week of December, like it was a couple of years ago okay. before they changed. Because I know they're trying they're trying to get it finished up before then, um, bef- at the beginning of November. I don't know about this season, but I did find it fascinating. They're trying to squeeze so many games in. Uh, December twelfth. Oh, that's even later than usual. Yeah, um, really yeah, December six. So so far we've played two games in the um, uh, the return to play era. Um, <laughs> one was against Chicago, who I forgot they play, they had Shuttleworth. <laughs> I didn't even know they had Shuttleworth. I didn't know he was still playing as a goalkeeper. Um, but we won that game three nothing, which to be honest I thought was um, a pretty generous <laughs> scoreline the way we played. <laughs> it, well, the way it happened, I guess I should say. Um, because we could have been up 3 nothing, 4 nothing by halftime. Um, Etienne scored a goal. That's the second good thing he did this season. He was assisted by Valenzuela. Um, and Williams in the 20th minute. Um, Nagby, now that's also a goal of the year contender, um, assisted by Zardes in the 81st minute with the little, um, and I think he got a secondary assist, Nagby. I think they, they gave him one. Um, and then Zardes scored in the 88th minute, and I'm not even going to say what I'm gonna s- what I meant to say about Zardes' PK miss because I'm just embarrassed. Um, so, <laughs> and I don't edit. I don't edit my mistakes out. So, um, so yeah. So that game was actually pretty horrible to watch because like we should have done way better. And then at the end, we kind of got those two goals and like, meh. Really, probably shouldn't have been a three. It should have been a three nothing game, but not the way it happens. So. I only have one takeaway, so I'll make it real quick. But Chicago is. Garbage. Yeah, they were absolute garbage. They are so like that. I feel bad for Chicago fans at this point. That like that's how bad their team is. Okay, anybody else? The only <laughs> takeaway I have from this game is like, like Todd said, it wasn't like you look at three and you think, all right, yep, this was just a flawless, perfect, you know, nice, easy performance. Um, but it really wasn't. And I think the fact that we still were able to score three goals is impressive it's nice to know like hey we weren't on our game we still scored three goals because i mean in the past it would have been a zero zero draw right, right. <laughs> i know cam uh, i know dakota's gonna say we got three points so he's happy well yeah i mean obviously i would i'm happy anytime that we win but uh i think the goals that we did score like they were fantastic goals this um starting with the Derek etienne jr goal that was a great run by milton he put it perfectly in etienne one timed it and put it right where he needed to and then that nagby goal the the whole chemistry behind that is Sebastian Burhalter came in uh, for a winger who wasn't performing very well. Uh, he came in and played side by side beside Artur, and then that allowed Nagby to move forward into the ten role because Lucas was injured for this game. So allowing Nagby to go forward in the, in the attack more than he has previously, I think that gave him a boost of confidence because that's what he did in Portland previously with uh, with Caleb Porter going forward. Uh, he didn't play the 10, but he, he still got forward in the attack a lot. So I think doing that is kind of like a, I don't know, nostalgia because that's yeah. what he did before. So pushing him up, letting him like be free with the ball, I think that's fantastic. And then obviously he got rewarded for it with the goal. But, um, yeah, overall this game wasn't the prettiest, but we did get the three points. We got the three goals. Helps with the goal differential on the table. Um, and two of my favorite goals came out of this game. I guess I didn't realize yeah. that. Until you. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean – it, it wasn't the best. Uh, we were definitely like struggling a little bit without Lucas, without Eunice, and definitely without Aloy Room um, in, in some situations. But we, we did what we needed to do. We yeah. got three points, shut out. I'm, I'm good with that. I would also like to say I believe that the na- this Nagby goal from Chicago is definitely going to be in um, goal of the year. 
I don't think that by the end of the year, the Zalrion's free kick is going to be, which is there'll disappointing. Be, there'll be so many of them, but yeah. that, could, that could still be the crew goal of the year, though. Uh, mm, I still I think Nagby's is better. But I'm saying in terms of being in terms of being um uh, uh, in the contention. Oh yes, that's no. what I meant. Oh, Cause, absolutely. Because you're right. As the season goes on, there'll be a lot of free kicks that were scored, mm-hmm. especially by you know players like Toronto have like Pozuelo. I mean, they're like they're gonna score free kicks. Yeah, it's just rare. In we don't talk about Toronto on this podcast yeah, in right, a sorry. positive light. So. <laughs> Cam looked like he was ready to say something. No. All right, so um, Monday we had a game against NYCFC, which we lost one nothing. Um, I don't really have anything to say about that game other than I'm, I wish I could get that 90 minutes of my life back. Um, I agree with that. That's about all I have to say. Anybody got anything about that game? I, I think we were just feeling the injuries. That's all I have. I mean, I think I still think the team we put out should have been good enough to play better than we did. Um, I think, again, it goes back to my Minnesota point of, like, it's like we have one st- – it's like we have one – we have one move like that we want it like that we want to do, and when it gets shut down, the players look lost. Now, granted, if you add Lucas and Eunice, players who can create stuff on their own, that makes it a little bit harder to defend. Rather than really, it was just Pedro out there by himself. Um, but still, I think I still think it should have been better with that lineup, even though that lineup was very comparable to last the end of last year's lineup with um, just with Nagby added. I still think it should have been. I still think it should have been better, and it was kind of disappointing. Also, may, I mean, maybe there were reasons that I do not understand. Caleb Porter's subbing in this game was very confusing. Very confusing. <laughs> um, I felt this was Caleb Porter's worst performance of the year, I think. I mean, as like it's a 0-0 game, and we move. It was Arthur, right? It was Arthur on for a winger. Like, why are we going three DMs in a zero-zero game? Why aren't we trying to win? <laughs> like, and moving Sebas to the ten—that like, it, I love the kid, but well, that was fine. it. Just wasn't, wasn't that like in the eighty-something minute though? That wasn't like we didn't have a heck of a lot of time to six, finish anything up. It was yeah. the sixty-six. Oh, I was believe. it that late early? Um, oh, I didn't realize that. But still, it's just like that, and then we're trying to get a goal, and we sub on Adi for Zard. It's like. I just think it would have made so much sense to keep both of them on because then that gives you two targets in the box rather than Adi on his own. It just like it just really seemed like we just did not do everything possible to try to win. It was just frustrating when, you know, you're only a goal away from getting a point and you've got yeah. a player who's been here for 10 days in Boateng, Adi who's barely played, and those are literally your goal threats. Like nobody else. It's the rest of their defensive midfielders and defenders. I honestly felt that Boateng had some some shining moments. I, th- I he can he can break out in this team. I believe that he just didn't do it against NYC, which is reasonable. I mean, like you said, he's only been there like four days at that point, so I get it. But uh, I I uh, I was impressed. I'm 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 excited to see what comes from him. Yeah, no, I, and I agree. I just it would have been nice to see him out there with two other attackers. Oh, I agree. I, I definitely agree with that. I was yeah. never disagreeing with yeah. you. I was just saying I'm I'm impressed with him. Hey, we're allowed to disagree on this podcast. That's not a problem. <laughs> All righty. Um, I did want to finish up with some final thoughts. I know most of the stuff is more. I'm more of the referee interested person. Nobody else really cares. But I did enjoy. Uh, did you guys watch any of the games outside of crew or just crew games? So particularly, I think it's the San Jose game. There's a couple games where they went to audio during um, during the VAR, 
review, which I thought was amazing because you could actually listen to, you know, where's the kick point? You know, they actually are looking for these types of things the way that they talk, and they were really fast and efficient. And I thought that made it fast and efficient because I think if it, if they because they knew because this is something the commissioner and like the the pro um, head was saying that they wanted to do. So if these refs, you know, they take forever to make decisions. In this case, they had to be really quick because they wanted the they wanted that transparency. But they also have, um, I don't know if you know this, I don't even know if you know this, Josh, but they have uh, on YouTube every week they do, Pro Referees has like a thing of four or five plays where they'll show you the, the audio, which I think is pretty cool. I hope other leagues follow to do that because it will give some sort of, I guess, credence to VAR because I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of VAR. I know it's failed in England, but I still under the theory that they're trying to tank it in England on purpose. Uh, I think VAR is still a very good concept, but yes, they tanked it in in England and um, now it has a horrible, horrible reputation because I I mean, they really, they they got really wrong. Yeah. I think they did it on purpose because they want to, I mean, the, the, uh, I've have even had to change the rules um, (laughs) on, uh, on like offside, how you do offside just because England is like, Oh, you know, well, you know, this is the way we're going to do it clear and obvious um and so uh oh speaking of uh technology oh man who was it Uh, somebody that got relegated they had the the goal line crew the goal line (laughs) technology didn't work and i was like and they're actually contemplating finding a lawsuit which i thought was pretty funny yeah um oh oh what game was that yeah i don't remember either shouldn't have brought it up i thought the uh i thought the var audio was fantastic um The fake crowd noise, not so much. <laughs> That's actually on my list here. <laughs> I don't. But I didn't mind it. I, I the, hate it. Like I so just, I just think with I just think with the fake crowd noise, the games where the like it was just the natural sound of the yep. players on the field was just so much better. It was just so much better. And I mean, I d- I'll tell you, the fake crowd noise for MLS is better than it has been in some of the other sports leagues yeah. around the world. But. I still would just rather hear the natural sounds of the game. Well, some of my, I know we've talked about this with Dakota, but some of my favorite crew m- moments have been those tiny U.S. Open Cup games and then the Saprisa game where we sat on the parking lot for two hours while it stormed. And you could just hear, you know, what, it, what they're saying. It was just a much more interesting vibe than hearing fake crowd noise. Um, that's just my thought. Go I'll, ahead, Nick. I'll come in with the, uh, the journalism perspective here. here as somebody, Alexi. As some, oh, no. <laughs> Do not compare me to Alexi. Uh, as somebody kidding. that's in broadcast, that has done sports broadcasts, I, I understand why they're hesitant to do Nat Audio. Well, because, the language. Yeah. I mean, it's such an – it's it's an ethic – it's an ethics problem for, for the, the TV company, for the channel, you know. I really do get it. Although I would much prefer it because I like the natural sounds. I think if if ESPN, I remember this was um, this came up during the Last Dance documentary. But if ESPN made a whole channel dedicated to just pure, you know, n- not censoring curse words, letting players talk, and you can hear all that, that'd be totally. F- I think that'd be great. But um, I don't see anything like that happening anytime soon. And um, I think that's the main problem with that. And that's why the fake crowd noise came about. I think it sounds pretty legit on TV. If you watch games at home and then you watch games of fake crowd noise, I think it sounds legit. Obviously, if you're comparing it to when you're actually in the stadium, it's horrible. But I think that's how it well, goes. Well, it's about the same for crew stadium. <laughs> Just kidding. Wow. Why do you hate the crew? No. Todd hates the crew. I hate the crew fans, not the crew. No, For a me, it's a joke. Uh, I think this is a one-time 
chance where I would allow crowd noise, just given all the circumstances. Like, it's a sliver of normalcy inside mm -hmm. soccer fandom uh, where we haven't really had anything like that since March. So I think it's good to, like, make it as normal as possible for right now. But once things get back to normal, if that ever happens, uh, I would say crowd noise is out the window. But for right now, in these type of situations, I think it's acceptable. And I think it, it, it did make the game feel a little bit more comfortable, you know, like you're just watching a normal game, obviously not being at the stadium, but being able to hear that type of audio while you're still watching the game, it's like, oh, okay, well, finally, something something good, something normal, something that I recognize. So I th I thought it was good for MLS's back, and I've watched a couple other games uh, around the world where, where they've been using the same thing, and I think they've done a pretty good job with it. That's a fair point. I think for me, though, the problem that I have is being able to wrestle myself in reality. Like when they show – when the – when a ball goes up and the camera falls and you see that the stadium's empty and that people are like cheering that it's just, it's odd to me. It's like when they did the advertising boards over the seats. Yeah. You know? I mean, oh, gosh, I couldn't. It's just it, yeah. It looks <laughs> weird and it sounds weird. Like if you have no context yeah, or whatever, but right. like in the situations that we're in, I think it's a good idea to make everybody feel a little more, you know, together. <laughs> yeah. And I, I did also wanted to talk about like the camera angles cause they're, they're experimenting a little bit. I know I talked a little bit about, with cam about this, but they had a good idea to have really, really wide because I've always enjoyed sitting, you know, either um, on the sideline or, or high sometimes to see what's going on. But the man, that the angle made me sick. Like it was this for, camera that when they flowed yeah. and followed around for the first couple of games for MLS's back, they really had a hard time getting but control of it. it but uh, yeah, I think towards the end, I it flowed. Like I didn't really notice any yeah. any sort of huge difference in it. I mean, it just looked like a normal game. <laughs> the part that I enjoy, because one of the things where it's so hard to attract like Americans who like other sports to soccer is you really don't see a whole lot of what's going on on TV sometimes. And so that's why I like about the angle. You can see how good Nagby really is. And like you're talking about um, Sebastian Berhalter and um, some of that stuff you wouldn't be able to pick up. Um, I didn't really notice the camera angle until um, I think Dakota brought it up to me. And, I, and then I was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of off. I didn't mind it. I just also like to mention that I played on the the field set they're playing on and they were playing on in Orlando and I just needed to flex. Nice. <laughs> 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 so uh, I did want to. Uh, this will get into the Cincinnati game too because I wanted to just for fun bring up the the money lines. Um, if you look at the MLS app, it's so funny they have the MGM money lines, um, and so just what that means if it's a positive number. If you bet a hundred dollars, you get that number. So if it's plus four fifty, and you bet a hundred bucks, and that team wins, you get four hundred fifty dollars. So and your hundred dollar bet back, so you get five hundred fifty dollars. The only thing I have to comment on that, I don't bet. I have no idea anything about it. But um, after our last loss, I saw a bunch of people attacking Abubu Karkeda for making them lose their bets. How about you just don't do it in the first yeah. place? <laughs> yeah, I actually had this. There was a game when we were uh, when I was in Vegas that I wanted to uh, bet. Uh, it was a really, really low money line for um, Dortmund to lose. And like, oh, Dortmund could lose. I could win like a couple hundred dollars, but I couldn't do it. I'm not going to bet against my team just to win some money. That's crazy. But anyway, so if it's a low, if it's a negative number, the higher the negative number, well, actually, I should say the lower the negative number, that's the most likely to lose. So if it's negative 200 and you bet 100, you win, you win 50. So um, in this case, um, dun, 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 let's see, Cincinnati is at a plus 300. And Columbus is at a, a negative 118. 
Um, so in other words, Columbus is highly favored. So if you were to bet $100 on Cincinnati, you'd, you'd win $400. That's how... Um, it's a bad bet. Yes, it's a very bad bet. So that's why um, I do enjoy watching that to see, because very few teams have received you know such a disparity. Um, but it is kind of fun to look at and see how poorly Cincinnati is doing. And as one of our crowd pointed out, um, that um, Chicago did beat Cincinnati three nothing. So yeah, it means they're even worse than Cin- Chicago, which is great. Starting eleven. All right, this is a segment where we usually give players rankings with four being the worst and six being average, but this time, as we've already talked a lot about the players in the last six games, um, I had three categories I thought it would be interesting to talk to. Um, and let's start with the most impressive, starting with Dakota. Uh, for me, most impressive, I'm going to go with Lucas. I think he's shown his quality, why we brought him in, what he's capable of. Uh, he did go down with injury, and we have missed him the past couple games, but from what we've seen and what uh, what the plan is around him, I think everything is working out just as planned. So I'm super impressed that they got the guy, they got the right guy, and I mean, we're happy with another Argentine number ten in Columbus. So. Oh yes, we are, <laughs> especially you. <laughs> All right, Cam, most impressive. Um, I would say Lucas is right up there. There are three guys that kind of come to mind for me. Um, so I'm I'll say Jonathan Mensa. I think. He's pretty much been flawless this year. Um, I mean, he leads the league and he leads the league in duels won. He leads the league in passes completed, at least as of about a week ago. I'm not sure somebody may have passed him up, but still, like he's the main. I mean, he's the main guy building from the back in our defense, and I mean, he just everything that is put into the box, he's winning and clearing it or passing it out, and I think. Some of his struggles have been very overblown the last two or three. Well, he's been here, what, three, four years? It's been a little overblown. He's always kind of been a top 10 to 20 defender in the league while he's been in Columbus. But he's really kind of stepped it up to a level where, I mean, if somebody said he's been the best center back in MLS this year, that's not a crazy take. And so I've just been impressed that. I've, I've been impressed with him, and I hope he can keep up this level level of performance because our defense, I think, with him and Abubakar Keita, Vito, before he's injured, it was always going to be good. But if he's playing at that level, like it will be one of the best defenses in the league, as we've seen so far this year. All right. What about you, Max? So as much as I agree with both of your points, because I, honestly, you can go a lot of ways with this question. Um Lucas, great choice. Uh, Mensa, I thought he's been played even above his level this year. Um, he's always been good, but I thought he's, I thought he's been great this year. I really didn't see how you could put anybody under this category than Nagby. I mean, he's played at a top level in the MLS for years now. He's been a top, uh, a, a, not maybe not a top, but a really good midfielder. I think that his move to the crew. Ha- was probably the best thing he's done in his career because of how good. Except he for f- winning MLS Cup 2015 okay. in Columbus. <laughs> but yeah. here's and the thing. <laughs> exactly. I th- I think he's played astronomically above his level in in this crew system. I think he's he he has completely controlled the midfield. If we don't have him in our, in our midfield for most of these games, we do not dominate the way we have. I think that with him in our lineup, we have had a a really good 
season. I mean, I, I just I, I don't see I don't see anybody else being the most impressive. I'm just gonna go right back to Cam because I saw his reaction. To I know that, he's. So. I, I don't I don't know why he's so upset with me. I mean, for the record, <laughs> Nagby would have been my number one choice for right. this. I just wanted to highlight Jonathan Metzen. Felt like I felt like Max was going in the Nagby direction. Um, so I wanted to leave that for him. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> but you, I don't know. You said he played above his level. He's been one of the two to three best central midfielders in MLS for about five to six years now. So I wouldn't say he's playing above his level. He's playing as the class player that we bought. That's all. Yeah. So I have this weird thing where I don't really care about other players. I mean, I sometimes I do. <laughs> Some, sometimes, like back when I first started in the league, I watched um, – the MLS Insider, where they always talked about players. So other than that, I don't know anybody. But Cam has been high on Nagby for as long as I've known him and been friends with him. And so I hated him because he because of the Portland game. I mean, I hated him, and I could never see, like, why do people think he's so great? Because I was so blinded by, by this nonsense. We've all seen that meme where it's, like, quite literally the best player in the world in the midfielder, and the closer it gets to goal, it's like, crap, 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 you know? Well, it doesn't say crap, but you know what I mean. And uh, But I don't. I would actually disagree too that he's playing above um, above his skill level. I think he's just that good. Like, and I've never noticed it until he's on my team and with that annoying camera angle, like to be able to see. Because I haven't. I think it was just the one game in March that I got to see him play um, live um, for my team. And so I, even in the the scoring half, the passes that he makes and the crosses he makes and the defensive plays he makes, like I personally think. Well, I guess I don't, I don't know why you make a defensive play in, in your scoring half, but you get what I mean. I actually think he's actually been really, really good in that attacking third because for me, I mean, that's what frustrated me most about Finley. He was either amazing or total lead and just couldn't get a cross off. And so I personally, I, I put Nagby as, for me, the most impressive. Oh, well, let me defend this real quick because when I say he's playing above his level, so I, I never really watched any Portland or Atlanta games outside of when they played the crew, but I thought that he was always a really solid player. I thought he... he he was a very solid MLS midfielder. I think he changes the crew team. That's what I'm trying to say. I think that without him, we struggle. I believe that. I really, I really truly believe that. If we had Trap in there right now, and it was Trap in our tour, and then when we had Lucas at our ten, I think we would really struggle going forward. Uh, Nagby's better than Trap. Yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah. Well, um, I d- just said that. <laughs> I'm so, agreeing with you. <laughs> okay, I'm just making sure. <laughs> at, at this point, like just a few games, it, that's so obvious to even me, like a novice of the game. Like he's just way better. Yeah, as much yeah. as I love Will. Yeah. 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 Not to make this a total Nagby podcast, right. but um, I think I think the thing for me, which I kind of thought this in the moment, but even I, like like you said, a big Nagby fan, never like I still don't think I quite appreciated him to the level until he was on my team um i think i think i've told this to uh dakota um i think lucas by far is the biggest signing we've made in club history obviously because the money we sent the money we spent on him and also i mean he's shown so far like how good he is i think in any other year i think nagby would be getting that level of hype as far like I think, well, besides, you know, guys like Zach Steffen, who were here for a little bit and made the transition to Europe, as far as, I think Nagby and Lucas Elleron are the two best talents that the crew crew have ever had, that have ever put on the crew shirt. Now, legacy-wise, obviously, they still have a way to, ways to go to pass up some of the greats we've had. But talent-wise, they are the two most talented players that have ever worn the black and yellow. Um, 
but I think because they came in the same year, it's Lucas, Lucas, Lucas. Not that Nagby doesn't get plenty of praise. He sure does. But as far as, like, Lucas is kind of the poster boy of the team, and Nagby kind of does go under the radar a little bit, just like he did in Portland and Atlanta. All right. All right, so who, on the flip side, like, not not that we want to trash players, but who would you find to be the least impressive player? Me? <laughs> oh. Let's start with, uh, start with me. Oh, man, I don't like to start because you guys are probably going to lambast me, but um, I thought he was hyped so much. I have I know he scored a goal and assisted, but I've not been a fan of Etienne. I have not. He's mine too. I don't know how. I don't know how to describe it. I think that he just seems to be in the wrong place all the time. Makes the wrong pass. Makes the wrong decision. Um, so one of the knuckleheads here in the crowd is telling me that since I'm wearing a Cadden jersey, that Cadden is just because he had one bad game does not mm. mean that he's the worst player. Uh, but so that's mine. Etienne's mine. Yeah, for me, I think I'm going to go with another winger, um, Luis Diaz. Um, now, I, I still think he's, a, in my personal opinion, he's a locked-on starter. He should start every game. And I think it's just something where we just have to play through. I just think the way he kind of showed up here last August and played the last three months of the season and kind of as a young player that we, not as much as some other players, but had to have a decent financial investment in, I didn't expect him to be all the way there as far as like a high caliber almost player that we would probably be selling on to Europe. I think that's still a year or two away, but he has not grown as much as I thought he would. I thought he still brings absolutely elite pace for this league, I think. And that's something we need because we do have some slower players at some other positions. I think we need that outlet of pace that he brings, but it's just, there's just something that hasn't clicked with him that I thought would even last year, I'm not sure what his total number of assists was, but he had a decent amount of assists after coming over. I mean, I think he played about 12 games with us and had three, four assists, all on beautiful crosses. And he did have an assist earlier this year. Um, but it's just like he gets the ball, he takes a touch, and he's just looking to shoot, looking to cross, even when it doesn't make sense. It's just – it's almost like he's playing rushed. And I think – I still completely believe in him as a prospect. I think by the end of the year, we could be talking about him as one of the – top five players in our team he's got that kind of potential it's just that the expectation I had for him heading into the year he's kind of underwhelmed and I've found myself frustrated with him really more than any other player on the roster that being said I'm pretty happy with our roster yeah I agree with you for sure um Luis Diaz has been disappointing at the beginning of the season but I'm personally not worried about him I think he's going he's going to catch his stride um I, too, I have DJ as my least impressive player. You know, people are going to say, what about Chicago? You know, he had to go up against one of the worst defenses in the league to finally get get himself going. And I still don't think that that's going to be enough. I I just, I don't even know what to say. In my opinion, he has looked bad when he's been on the field. He's had a couple of good moments that you've thought, oh, we might get something out of this. But honestly, I, I don't think the production on the left side has been all that great with him there. Um, so, yeah, he's my least impressive. Yeah, I was going to mention Luis Diaz, uh, but since you two already highlighted, um, for me, my second place was going to be Fernando Adi. Uh, for him, he hasn't really played very much, but coming in as a substitution, 
Uh, I kind of had high expectations for him when he was signed. Uh, I mean, I know he had a rough patch in Cincinnati with all of his personal and locker room issues, but with all that aside, he's still a fantastic striker that he was in Portland. Uh, so I was kind of expecting him to kind of, you know, go under Caleb's wing once again, jump right back into the rhythm that he was comfortable with, and you know, be that be that guy under Zardes where we can count on him to come in and kind of shake the game up a little bit. But it hasn't been that case. Um, so for me, he's been my least impressive. Uh, not not that he's like any kind of starting caliber as of now, but um, but I mean, I, I was just expecting a little bit more from him than what we've seen so far. Yeah, see, I guess my expectations of Adi were pretty low. All right, and then the last uh, question I had, um, who's the biggest surprise? And this could be positive or negative. It could be who did you have high expectations for that is not great? Or who did you not have expectations for that turned out great? Um, we'll start with Max on this one. So I have two names down. Um, and you at first, your your reactions are not going to be great. I have Mensa as a surpri- my, one of my biggest surprise players. In the sense that he's always been a good defender, but I think this year he's turned into the captain. He's turned into the, the, big, uh, the big man on the block. I think he had a lot of confidence when Vormgor came in. He knew that he was getting a good partner. And I think that really helped him going into the season. My other biggest surprise, imagine you are a casual fan because you guys aren't casual fans. Can't you, imagine. You Can you tell only, us how that feels, man? No, I cannot. <laughs> you only watch MLS. You have no idea about any other leagues. And your team signs this young player from Argentina. He comes in, and he, his first game, he you know, scores that left foot of beauty against NYC. And then he keeps playing well, and then MLS back comes, and he's scoring goals, and he's assisting, and he's creating plays. I think for that reason, Lucas could be one of the biggest surprise players as well. And I think he's been a great signing. Just as in, like, he's not a bust? Not as in he's, like, not a bust. I think that if if you were a casual fan, you would be like, oh, this guy's pretty good. Like, I heard he was going to be good, but this guy is really good. The thing to me is, since I'm friends with Dakota, um, I expect him to be the best thing since sliced bread, and he is. So um, that's it. Would have been surprised the other way if he was a flop. Then I would have been like, "What? My expectations? My expectations were way up here." <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with the. I agree with Jonathan Mensa for sure. And I think what Max is saying, as far as Lucas, is like, if you're you know if you're a Columbus yeah. Crew fan that attends two or three games a year, you don't really follow soccer. Otherwise, for years you've been going to games, seeing an uninspiring. Argentine number 10. And then we have a new Argentine number 10. He's exciting. And so I think it's just of like, wait, I've never seen a player this good before wearing a Columbus Crew jersey. Wow. (laughs) I think that's like, that is a surprise. I got to go get that jersey. Um, That's what, that's what they're saying. Yeah. I think jersey sales are up. I think for me, the biggest surprise, I'm, there's a couple. I think Sebastian Berhalter is definitely like a surprise in the sense that I mean, even coming into preseason, a lot of people thought that Aiden Morris, Aiden Morris was the higher-rated prospect. So, I mean, there were, I mean, I honestly thought Sebastian Berhalter, if you would ask me in, like, early February, like, I would have thought, you know, he ends up on loan or hardly ever sees the field aside from, you know, friendlies and U.S. Open Cup, which isn't happening because, you know, yeah. Um, but I'd say my biggest surprise is probably Eunice Mokhtar, um, just because – he was pretty bad last year when he played and we got him like we got him for free and you know he's just a nice 
one of you know your four or five wingers you have you can just throw on and hope something happens that's kind of what he was that's kind of what I felt the signing was um and then this year like first game eh for I mean I don't know if it was the first game but his first appearance was kind of you know eh same old same old Eunice we saw a couple games last year uh he's just going to be a guy who's here for a year or two and then will be out the door we'll never you know other than the hardcore fans you won't even remember him and I thought he was just fabulous against uh FC Cincinnati um was it it was either Red Bulls or Atlanta where he had another great performance I mean he's he was good every game that he played um in the MLS's back tournament and he's a guy who against uh NYC like I thought we missed like if we had a player because he offers more creativity than like Etienne Jr. um Diaz has so far this year he he just gives Lucas and Pedro and Nagby like just another guy who you can give the ball and he's a threat to assist. He's a threat to score. He's a threat to make a nice pass. that leads to a goal. He's just, and honestly, he's got a pretty good, he's got a pretty good finish on him. Like he has the ball in front of the net. You feel good about it going in. Mr. Stewart. Uh, yeah, I was kind of thinking Eunice Mokhtar as well. Um, but my second choice was going to be Artur. Um, just seeing how his game has rounded and like grown so much uh, especially with Nagby beside him but uh, even earlier on like in the preseason or even last year we were kind of talking about you know who's going to be the one that stays is it going to be Will is it going to be Artur Uh, and I saw a lot of people like favoring Will instead of Artur but I think we did make the right decision Artur is a a better a, a better rounded player and he's definitely grown in various aspects this year, uh, we've seen him a lot better in defensive plays. Uh, he's he's great winning balls, great in possession, and I think he's done a, a very very good job at you know building himself as that sort of uh, guy that you can rely on really anywhere around the pitch in, in the midfield and coming back defensively, like taking the role of the six if Nagby needs to be pushed up further or. Or you know him getting forward himself. Uh, he he's taken on a couple shots. Haven't been very bad shots either. So I think for me, uh, Arthur is a good you know surprise player. As uh, looking at looking at him uh, as sort of a growth player. I think he's really adapted well with what Caleb Porter wants to do with the team, and I think he's doing a fantastic job of everything that he's been asked of. Yeah. Um, so you guys basically talked about. Um well, you mentioned Bear Halter. Um, I can see Mokhtar too, but mine's a little bit different. Is because he, I wasn't super impressed with him last year. Um, but I'd say Chris Cadden. I mean, he's probably been so amazing. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to rile somebody up. But no, he's been fun to watch. Um, but Tarbell would be one too. Um, that I think we've already touched on him as well. That we're just so used to having like the MLS kind of journeymen who go from team to team to team to team as the backup. Um, what was it since Greenenbaum that we've had like probably the, the, the last time we had a really good backup. Um, so that's kind of it. I'm kind of just stealing from everybody else. Um, I don't really have much else to add. All right. Hydration break. Crew in the news. All right. So we basically talked about some of the injuries. I don't know... Um, as we sit here, uh, since we play Cincinnati here and ha- kickoffs in about 40 minutes. Um, so we do know that Room and Lucas are no longer injured, um, or at least they're in the starting lineup. Um, so I don't know if anybody else had anything to touch up on. We talked about Room, Zell Ryan, Wormhor, and Mokhtar. 
have one thing, but it's like it's a little less uh, applicable now because of Room and um, Mokhtar being in the starting lineup. But if you look at these names, Room, Mokhtar, Vormgor, Zelrayon, and Zelrayon being in the starting lineup, excuse me, um, these are all players that were in form when they were injured. And that's what really hurt me the most when we lost them is that um, even Mokhtar, you know, I, I was trashing at him before the MLS's back tournament, and I he really impressed me in, in those games that he played. So, um, yeah, it, it was disappointing to lose them at that time. I think we would have beat Minnesota, in fact. Um, I don't think that would that's, you know, that much of a hot take to you guys. But, um, yeah, that's why I was most disappointed. I'm glad that that's over now. Technically, yeah, we, we're st- we still have Vormgor, but let's keep it that way. Yeah, yeah. I think my only, th- I mean, my thoughts on obviously Rue, Mokhtar, Zellerad are all back. Hopefully, it stays that way. I think uh, Wormgor, he's a big loss because it just puts us in a position where, I mean, we added a new center back who we'll get to in a little bit, but it puts us to. Abubakar Keita, Jonathan Mensa, and then Josh Williams. And I'm not the biggest Josh guy. I think he's one of those guys who can step up and play a good game every now and then, but also will have a bad game every now and then. Um, he's your serviceable, I, serviceable MLS defender, basically. Yeah, for sure. And when he's your fourth center back, you're feeling pretty good. Now he's kind of our third center back. And obviously, as we see tonight with FC Cincinnati, we have to trust him in a really in a really big game. Hopefully, he plays well. Um he has against Cincinnati in the past. Um, I think I, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people who like, and I, and I get it. Wormhor was signed as this guy who had a illustrious career through um, a couple of different leagues. And um, was it the Norwegian league? Whatever league he was playing on, playing in, in Europe, um, had a very good, very good uh, career there. I think he comes here. He's got really good highlights. He's got really good highlights. I mean, he still played less than 100 minutes, so I'm not convinced we actually knew what he was. Um, I'm a big Abubakar Keita fan. Um, I think, in my opinion, I thought by the end of the year it was going to be Keita and Mensa, um, unless Wormhor came in and it was just amazing because I just think Keita can become – like, I, I just don't think Keita is a guy who will even be in MLS in a few years because yeah. I think he'll be on to Europe. I think he'll be a U.S. men's national team defender. Um, it's just – Wormhor's is just – it's just the numbers thing. It's – like we're having to play Josh Williams in a game right now. Abubu Karkeda, a young player, has a bad game against NYC. We have to turn to kind of Jonathan Men or Josh Williams to partner with Jonathan Mensa. It'd be nice to have Wormhore as an option. Um, I still just think it sucks because I just I know people again, people have opinions on what he is. I don't know what he is. I've seen him play less than a hundred minutes in MLS where he was good. But, I mean, we've had so many center backs in the past that had really good careers that have come here. Not just us, other MLS teams. Center back is one of those. It's one of, it's one of the most unpredictable positions in MLS of who's going to be good and who's not. So I hope he can get back healthy and we can kind of see him for a full season next year. Any thoughts from Dakota? Um, nothing really else to add. Um, I just think that we're obviously a better team with uh, Lucas, with Mokhtar and with room on the field. Um, I think there's a lot more confidence as well because they're all, you know, they, they've played a lot more minutes at each, uh, each role um, in, uh, instead of their counterparts. Uh, so, I mean, 
we are we are a better team, but I I still think that we do have great substitutes. The the guys that stepped in have done a, a pretty good yeah. serviceable job, uh, you know, stepping in and covering their space for them. But with everyone back, I'm super happy, super super confident. All right, so there were a few tr um, transactions. Um, I was surprised that we made really early moves in the transfer window. Doesn't mean no one it closes. I forgot to look it up before I came out here. When the window closes, I'm not. I'm not uh, sure. Yeah, I'm not it sure. It changes either. every year with okay. MLS. I forgot to look it up, but um, but uh, crew acquired Boateng for um, Axel Schoberg, who went to. He was on San Francisco. Uh, sorry, San Antonio FC. Anyways, um, I don't really understand why we even brought on. Schuberg anyways because he never was even in the 18 ever was he never. um so we trade center back for center back you know Cronali um trading him and then now I so I don't really understand unless the goal all along was to get Boateng I'm not really sure um so he's played already and he is on the bench for tonight so uh, what are your thoughts on that transaction I think he's just a good player um to add to the roster as a piece that maybe could help us win one or two games throughout the season I think he's just kind of the same role as kind of Etienne where I mean he's a fourth like he's a fourth winger um I think the one thing I like about him is how fast he is because there are games where like if we were not to have Luis Diaz that would leave us with Pedro Santos and Mokhtar starting who are both very good players but that doesn't give us that just doesn't give us that much pace it doesn't really give us an outlet um on the counter and I think having a guy like Boateng who in those games where we might not have Luis Diaz if that option comes on subbing him on in the 60th minute just to give the defense a different look will help I think I think he's an upgrade on Etienne as far as kind of that fourth winger kind of almost like the Nico Hansen role like it's just hopefully we are not at a point where we're relying on Boateng to win us games but I think he's a player that can contribute little bits and pieces here throughout the year so and I love speedy wing play and it's a good move because, again, like, Schubert did not play for us. And as we'll get to in a second, we brought in another defender who basically just replaces him as – I mean, it does a, when you get to that level of center back, I'm not sure that Schubert's any better than the guy we brought in. Yeah, yeah, I think Boateng's – he's a great uh, bench player. Um, he Like you said, he gives us a different look when he comes onto the field. Um, I like his pace. He uh, – my biggest concern is um, can he get it going in those 30 minutes? Can he can he get to a point in his play where he's at his peak and he's actually getting into positions where he can, he can put the ball in the net or that he can help somebody else put the ball in the net? I don't know. I haven't seen him play enough, um, but from the games I have seen him play, I thought he was good. Not amazing yet, but maybe maybe he can step up to amazing. Maybe um, maybe Eunice will get hurt again and he'll and he'll start a couple of games. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. But yeah, with with Boateng, I I really like the signing. I respect the the deal that uh, you know Bezbichenko, Caleb Porter have put out there uh, because Schoberg, he like, like we mentioned, he didn't appear at all, not even in preseason. So that kind of makes you think: was he even part of the the bigger picture? Uh, which leads me to think that he was not. Um, that said, getting Emmanuel Boateng for the crew, I think that's a fantastic move. Uh, he's already has uh, tons of experience playing with Josh Zardes out in LA Galaxy. He only had a couple games played in DC, so he really didn't, you know, get a feel for their system. So he is like a pretty respectable veteran in MLS. 
um, having played over 100 games with the Galaxy. So I think bringing him in, that type of experienced player, uh, you know, that can step up where, you know, maybe Etienne Jr. isn't quite ready, Diaz isn't quite ready, they haven't had, you know, so many games under their belt. Uh, but, you know, you can throw in Boateng and you know what you're going to get from him because you've seen time after time what he's capable of with the Galaxy uh, a couple times with DC, like I mentioned. But uh, but getting him, and especially, like like you mentioned, Todd, with the speedy wing play, the dude is fast. Uh, so even if he does come in like as a super sub, you know, give him a good 15, 20, 30 minutes, I think he can really make an impact going forward uh, if we do need to rest guys, if we have all these stacked games because now with these uh, – uh, phase one, two, and three that we're going to have to be forced to play. We are going to have multiple games in a week, so that that does come into play also, where we're going to have to, you know, let Pedro rest a little bit. We're going to probably have to let Eunice rest, uh, especially after coming back from injury. So bringing in Boateng, I think that's a good move, a very well-rounded uh, move. So I have it. I'm happy with it. All right, the next transition, I think, is what you're talking about. Grant Lillard from Miami. I literally know nothing about him, but we traded him for a 2021 third-round draft pick, which is basically worthless, but uh, but still. <laughs> what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, when we look at the compensation, it's a third-round draft pick. Most years, pretty much all years, the crew's third-round draft pick, if they even have one, doesn't make the team. So, I mean, I'm not worried about that at all. As far as Grant Lillard, um, I watch a lot of MLS. I know a lot of players. I had no idea who this guy was <laughs> when we signed him. Like I like I, I've seen the name before, like on a like you know on a tweet, but like I've never watched this guy play. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's a body. Like it's, a, I mean it's it's a guy that hopefully never has to be used in a high pressure situation. Um, I think he's fairly young maybe there's some potential to become a serviceable solid you know mls option but I, i'm i'm not sure i don't know much about him at all to quote up or max anybody i don't know anything about him <laughs> yeah so I, mean, I have no no comments i haven't seen him it, he didn't play anything with miami um so r- really we're, we're not going to count on him very much because when we do have uh Vito come back Obviously, he's going to play, but we've got Josh for now. We've got Kata for now. Um, but, you know, may- maybe looking down the road, Josh Williams' contract does expire at the end of the year, so maybe they brought him in, you know, kind of having that in the back of their mind if he does show up in, in training. Uh, but, I mean, that's just something that we we got to see how it plays out. But for right now, I honestly don't think that we'll ever see him play. Yeah, um, that Cam was saying, I-, I used to watch a lot more MLS. I mean, I watched MLS Insider, but last couple of years due to, like, save the crew situation and now the what's going on i just haven't watched a ton so the other one i have no idea who this person is either and i don't know why we would trade to our derby rivals <laughs> is it a derby uh, dakota anyways um <laughs> uh, we got a fatai alash um probably not saying that right alashe um, alashe oh, i went for the silent e um, for a 2021 20, second round draft pick, y'all. So a little bit better. And the potential FC could get, I'm sorry, FCC could get 50,000 in GAM um, if he hits certain criteria, whatever that means. Um, and my question here was does he even play? Um, this He's on the bench tonight. Oh. Yeah, I, I think he was, <laughs> I think he was, as far as, the, as far as the compensation, same thing as Lillard, second round draft pick. I'm not concerned about it. Um, I think he was brought in – he's 25 or 26, but I think he was brought in as more of a 
better an option as a backup midfielder. Um, young players would go through a lot of a lot of ups and downs, especially at the beginning of their careers. Um, I think right now Burhalter is your number one guy off the bench for Artur and Nagby. Um, but if he has a bad game here or there, his confidence starts to go. I think this is a guy you got, you know, to sub on for the last 10 minutes of a game if Artur needs a rest or if Artur gets a yellow card suspension, something like that. Um, he did not play as much uh, for Cincinnati as I would have thought he would have when he first moved there. He moved there at the end of their last USL season um, from uh, San Jose Earthquakes. He was a regular starter for San Jose at the beginning of his career. Um, and so, I mean, he's a, he's had starting experience in MLS, quite a bit of starting experience in MLS. Um, so it's just a guy that if we don't have Arthur and Agby for a game, he's a guy who should be able to fill in and obviously not be as good as those guys. Those guys are great, but, you know, be a, be a good, solid MLS starting level, starting level player. And I think overall is a good move. Um, Cincinnati, I guess, had no plans for him, but I think fits in really well with us as a backup midfielder in the 18 every game kind of guy. Final whistle. This is kind of a unique podcast because uh, we actually kick off here for the Cincinnati game is in about a half hour, give or take. Um, and so we actually have the starting lineup of the next game that we'll talk about, which is um, highly unusual. And then so... I'd say use the hashtag AskP4C, but you're not going to hear about this till after the game's over anyways. Um, but at least this time I remember to tweet something out. But anywho, um, we play Cincinnati tonight here on August 29th. Um, the lineup is out, which is quite exciting. Um, and a couple players are back with uh, Zardes is up top. And then we've got Mokhtar Zellerayan. Very happy to see him back. I was about to ask Dakota what's up with him um, and Santos. Um, and then our... Holding mids will be Nagby and Artur, greatest pairing in MLS. At me on that one. Um, and then you have Valenzuela, Williams, Mensa, and off on the back. And then Room back in goal. So a couple of players that we've already talked about, um, hoping to see them back. They are back. Um, we've got the subs are Tarabell, Cadden, Jimenez, Keita, Burhalter, Boateng, Etienne, Elache, and Adi. And I always forget when I see the number of substitutes that we still are operating under the five substitute rule. Um, actually, IFAB and... FIFA have extended that, um, so that is something we'll see more of. Um, some teams use it geniusly, some don't really use it that well. Um, but thoughts on this match? I mean, this is this is the big one, guys. <laughs> I mean, yeah. W when you look at this match, uh, it's not a very old rivalry. We've only played uh, a handful of MLS games, but I still think it's very important to you know set that. Uh, just establish our place in soccer in Ohio. You know, the Columbus crew is Ohio's team. Uh, Cincinnati is coming in. Uh, they've got a chip on their shoulder. You know, they uh, their fan base is all riled up. They've got new things coming in, new coaching staff uh, for unfortunate reasons. Um, new players, new stadium. So, you know, they're, they're all hyped up, but we've got to, you know, put them in our place or put them in their place. So I think it's a good match. Uh, they... All, uh, like it, it doesn't show on the league table or what they've done so far this year, but they are a lot better than they were last year, and you know they they are a threat, um, especially in the Eastern Conference. They are building up a a pretty good roster, although slowly, that uh, they are doing everything that they need to be doing in order to you know put out a team that can that can battle. 
with all that being said, I feel tonight is a breeze. Um, I don't think that the crew are going to have any troubles with them. Uh, I believe that not only are we the better team, but uh, coming off of that MLS's back game, the 4-0 victory, I think that they're going to look at that and they're going to say, hey, we got to defend that or, hey, let's do it again, you know. Um, so for that, I, I think that the, tonight's going to be an easy one. I really do. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think we're the better team. I expect to win. Um, I'm a little concerned, uh, again, just from the Minnesota game, from the NYC game. I think teams, including Cincinnati, have had time to see like how we play. And I think if there's not an adjustment made, I think there's a chance Cincinnati – you know, bunkers play the defensive style that they have been playing most of the year so far this year. And I think they could, I think they can make it hard on us. I think they can make it a, a lot more of a nervy game than the er, one was earlier this year. Um, again, I still, ex, I still expect to win. I, I agree with what Dakota said. I mean, Cincinnati, this Cincinnati team is not the Cincinnati team. That was one of the worst teams in MLS history last year. Are they good? Eh, still probably not, but they're better. And I think that you know, if they show up tonight and they play their game, play execute their game plan, I think we could be in some trouble if we don't show up on our end. I think both teams playing at their best, I agree, it'd be a breeze. Um, I'm just a, I'm a little concerned. Also, no Luis Diaz tonight. He's a player who's probably had two of his best games in a crew jersey against FC Cincinnati. Um, he's routinely destroyed um, – is it Gutman, their left back, always has kind of struggled with him. I think him not being in the, well, I guess it's not the 18, however many subs we have, um, is a little concerning. I'm not sure why he wouldn't even at least be on the bench as an option. Maybe I missed something throughout the week, but um, it's a little concerning. I still think we sh I, I still expect to win, obviously, but I, I'm a little concerned that it could turn into a Minnesota NYC that being said, Lucas, Eunice, Rubenbach, hopefully those game, those little game-changing mistakes that we had in those games hopefully can be canceled out with the quality of those players back. Yes, I guess one of my concerns is the fact that one of the things about this team is I think that we have those expectations because those three players are back, so I hope it's not like one of those you know, where we get overly cocky and think that we're definitely going to win. And I don't mean we because we're not playing, but but the team. We're part of the team, Todd. <laughs> yeah, we are the the twelfth man, and so uh, that is a concern. Another concern is that they'll be playing since this is technically a Cincinnati home game. They'll be playing on that garbage putt putt pitch, and so <laughs> hopefully don't have recurring injuries or anything of that nature. Um, and then the, the referee um, is Ted Uncle, who um, I just wrote down some stats here. He's had a hundred regular season MLS games. 51 penalties, so that's one in every two games. Um, 26 red cards, so that's one in every four games. And 400 yellows. Um, so, so I do anticipate, like, a. he seems to be one of those refs that have the, want to be the center of attention. Not saying he's a bad ref. He's actually not bad. He just loves to make those big calls, um, the way he just gesticulates and, and those types of things. So I would not be surprised to see at least one penalty. Um, several yellow cards and perhaps even a red card in this game, which, hey, if it's a Cincinnati player, I'm down for it. And heck, in that Chicago game, I was like, come on, somebody just do a 
two foot studs up tackle make this game interesting. Let's just see what happens. So, uh, so I think that'll be exciting. So we'll move on into the score predictions. I'll be honest with you, my score prediction changed um, when I saw the lineup. <laughs> but uh, we'll start. I'll go this way. We'll start with Max. Um, so I got three one crew. Uh, Cincinnati don't score that goal until late, like eighty fifth, eighty eight. You know, real late. Not gonna matter. Uh, it'll be a, a cruising victory. We're gonna score early, somewhere between ten and twentieth minute, and then um, it'll just be a stream. Fortieth minute, and then again in the sixtieth. Zardis will have one. Zalarian will have one. Zalarian. Um, Who? Zalarian. I'm sorry. And then uh, Eunice will have the last one, and Nagby will assist two of them. Oh yeah, my uh, my mind says one one. Um, my heart says two one, two one crew. Uh, I'm gonna go with a two zero win for the Columbus Crew. Um, Cincinnati likes to sit back. They played a lot of defensive ball. Um, it's gonna be pretty difficult for us to break their lines and you know get into the box and do what we need to do. But uh, but I think we can get it done. I mean, we we've got our stars back. We've got the best rostered. We, we can possibly put out against uh, against a pretty underwhelming Cincinnati team. Um, so I think, yeah, I think we can get the job done. All right, so we're all predicting a win. I'm predicting a 4 nothing win. I originally had 3-1, <laughs> but, uh, but I changed it to 4 nothing. Um, so I guess uh, the the pessimist of all the crew friends that I have, Josh is saying that's going to be a 2-2 tie, um, which I like. Uh, because if he said that it was going to be a loss, then it's a guaranteed win. If he said it was going to be a win, well, it's not good. So, <laughs> go ahead. No, I I mean, I think 2-2 is also a good pick. I think it's going to – honestly, I think it's going to be kind of a trash game from a quality perspective. Oh, I think it's going to be a lot of – it's going to be a lot of – it's just going to be a lot of crap. Like, it's just going to be like te- – it's just both – neither team is going to want to lose this game, and I think it's just going to turn into kind of a – classic mls lots of complaining to the refs lots of bad shots hey i'm here for it lots of sloppiness um yeah i mean i i hope that we can get that 4-0 when you predicted all right well when we come back um we'll take a short break here uh, approximately 90 minute break and i'll come back and let you know what happened extra time All right, welcome back from break, and here we are talking about that maybe the one of the most exciting soccer games I've ever watched in my life, um, where Columbus Crew annihilated the Cincinnati FCCs, Bailey's Quiet, whatever. KFCs. Um, zero to zero. Um, <laughs> wow, what an annihilation. <laughs> there's not a whole lot I can say about that game other than um, Cincinnati like to play 11 people behind the ball and Caleb Porter clearly told the players don't score. We want it 0-0 draw. So. You know how some people say that you take the draw as a win? Like, oh. That's nonsense. Yeah. Only if you come that from was... behind. If it's like 4 nothing, and then you bring get four more goals, then, then you can maybe call that kind of a win, but never a 0-0 draw. Anyway, yeah. This draw, Unless you're Iceland. This draw was a loss. Like, we, we definitely should have and could have won that game. Yep, I agree wholeheartedly. I am sad. You know. <laughs> and it, we all predicted these massive wins. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, but 
I call I also don't want any credit. For that. <laughs> I just <sighs> like I genuinely like I hate to say it, but I I didn't like anything I saw I just outside want, of room. There's one thing I liked, and that was the the goalkeeper kit room was wearing. That was yeah. nice. Yeah, I I liked the kit. I mean, if you're and gonna he s- had a good game. If you're gonna suck, you might as well look good doing it. <laughs> and um. Yeah, the thing that I know, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder because we were kind of talking about this during the game, but uh, Cam, actually, you said it, that they figured us out three games ago. Um, I felt that way under Burhalter, you know, after 2015 Cup run, and he didn't change anything for three years. Um, so that's, I, I hope that Porter actually changes things because if he doesn't, we're going to watch another, what is it, 18 games of this crap, and I'm not looking forward to that. It's just, I, I, I mean, I was just looking at the passing map. And there's so much action all over the field, and there's a giant gaping hole in the eighteen in the opposing eighteen yard box and some yards in front of it. I mean, it's just we have to find a way to penetrate, and we're not finding any way to penetrate when we're going forward. And it's and it's it's just it's abysmal. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's start with Jazzy Zardes. Jazzy. Dakota. What about Jazzy? Uh, Jossie, he honestly didn't really create anything, uh, obviously, because we didn't score any goals. But I, he did have pretty good uh, hold-up play. Uh, a couple occasions he had the ball at his feet and actually, like, did some pretty good moves with it. Uh, so I thought he was – he he wasn't like a – he wasn't great, but I'll give him a, a – I'll give him a six for this game. Good. Uh, what about you, Cam? Six. Jossie. Okay. Yeah. I'm the same. I have him as a six, but uh, basically same reason. He had, he had a, uh, one really good hold-up play that I I definitely thought was going to result in a goal, and it didn't. Um, but, he, I mean, he didn't get any help. So See, it's that's not where his I'm, entire, I, it's not entirely little, his fault that he's a six. But I'm a little harsh because I gave him a five because, I mean, when you're the striker, you got to do something. But he did have that one really awesome header. Um, oh, that is that, true. Uh, he, placed, he well placed it with four defenders around him. So I was uh, – so maybe five's harsh, but yeah, he had a nice hold-up player too. I just don't think like I don't think he did anything. He didn't really do anything that bad. It's just there was just no service to him. Alrighty, and so we'll move on to Mokhtar, the one that you all were very high about at the beginning of this podcast. What did we think in this game? Starting with Dakota. Um, I'll just give him a flat five. I think he was a little rusty after being off for a little bit. Um, Kind of same thing. Like like he was he was good with hold up play d- down the side, but other than that, he really didn't offer too much. Um, you know, creating chances going forward. Um, so li- little disappointing there, but glad to see that he was back. Four and a half. I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> I'm gonna go five five. I, the point five comes from he was injured and he's rusty. Yeah. But I I think that if he was a little bit faster not a little bit if he was faster and he still had that skill with the hold up play and he could beat defenders with his speed as well he'd be a really good player but he's not so you know what if i was about 50 pounds lighter 10 years younger i'd be a really good you know what that's true (laughs) but uh uh i gave him a five and just because the rust he would have been a four but i gave him the benefit of the doubt do you have something else to say? Or are you ready for the next one? Yeah, I'm ready for the next one. All right, let's yeah, go to Lucas. Yeah, get him out, yeah. I give Lucas a six because of the rust. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I'll give him a 5.5, basically same thing. Like, just coming back after being out for a couple games. Basically just being thrown into what he was supposed to be doing, but just isn't there right now. Uh, so hopefully this will, you know, help him get there for Wednesday, but for right now just wasn't all that we needed. Four, pocketed. I don't – I I'm going to go five. You know, he's rusty. I agree. But, uh, you know, what we saw in the Cincinnati 4-0 win was, like, I describe it as magical. I want to see some magical stuff from Lucas. And I didn't see any of that. So I'm sad. No, I didn't. It's probably rust. Uh, Santos, four. Yeah, I would agree. Four. Four and a half. Five. One point for winning fouls. Actually, that's funny you say that because um, the, in the first 10 minutes, there was at least three calls that went his way that mm-hmm. any other ref wouldn't have called. So that is true. Yeah. Uh, Nagby, Mr. We'll start with his number one fan, Cam. Six. He was all right. He was a little bit ahead of everyone else on the team other than the goalkeeper, which we'll get to. Dakota. Uh, yeah, I'll give him a 6-2. I think it was just an average game from him. So 6.2? Six, six also. Oh, okay. <laughs> I agree with 6. Um, you know, same thing. He's usually magical. 6. I, I didn't see the magic. <laughs> yeah, 6. Um, um, I know that I get dinged for this because effort doesn't give scores, but um, I thought he was one of the few players that looked like he actually wanted to win that game. Um, so he gets a 6 for me. Then I fully agree with that as well. Yeah, then he we did look like he wanted to win. Then we have Artur who was kind of – I'll start with Dakota. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't really see anything good from him this game. Uh, maybe four and a half. Four. I thought it was a pretty bad Arthur game. I was going to go four or five as well. I, I thought it was a pretty bad showing from him. He had a lot of uh, uh, overhit balls, a lot. Yeah, I don't know why I felt generous. I gave him a five. Um I can't remember any one single play where I was like, oh, that was terrible. Um, but I don't also remember any one single play that was like, oh, that was great. He had some pretty good fouls. <laughs> uh, uh, and then we have Milton Valenzuela. We'll do Dakota. Um, I was expecting a little bit more from him, especially this being his first showing against Cincinnati. However, it wasn't too great. Uh, I'll just give him a five for this game, a little below average. Four and a half. Didn't really offer much. Got beat a few times. I'm going to go with a five. Um, I I honestly, I felt like I remember him making good runs, but just not really doing anything with it. So five for me. I kind of like that he made some runs and was kind of all over the place, but maybe that's not what we wanted from him. So I was perhaps a little bit generous and I gave him a six. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair as well. Uh, and then we have... Superstar Josh Williams. I actually think he had a pretty decent game. Like, he didn't put us into any kind of danger. He didn't give the ball away very much that I remember. Um, Yeah, I I think he did a pretty solid job. Uh, I'll give him a six for this game. Uh, I'm going to go five. I thought he defended well in the box. Um, Got caught out of position a couple times um, on a a couple Cincinnati counters, but uh, the guys behind him cleaned up for him. he did what he had to do for us to get the point. Um, I mean, yeah, whatever. 
have. A, I, I mean, I have them out of six. It's hard to judge defenders when the other team, uh, FC Cincinnati, really didn't have any many glorious plays other than the free kick was great. Yeah. Um, and they had another another good chance, but I can't remember what what even happened on it. So it's hard to judge, but six. Yeah, I guess I was a little bit harsh. Uh, it's a weird game that to be harsh on the defenders, um, especially since they did technically get a shutout. But um, I gave him a five. And the men saw the same thing. I just gave him a five. I mean, th- I guess the thing for me with defenders is I didn't see anything boneheaded out of them, but I also didn't see anything like, oh, they stopped the goal from happening. Uh, for Mensah, I'll give him a six and a half. I think he was probably the best out of the back line, um, which isn't any kind of surprise. That's pretty much been the case for a while now. But, um, yeah, he, he was winning headers, clearances, doing whatever he needed to do to get the ball out. So um, I, I was happy with his performance, but still – I thought he could have been maybe a little bit better on corners. We had several corners that we didn't really take advantage of, so maybe that. Oh, yeah, i give him a six. I'd put him kind of right there with Zardes and Nagby as players who weren't necessarily good but weren't bad either. Um, he had one really kind of bad giveaway, but then he honest, I mean, he then hustled and won it right back. Um, had some good clearances. Honestly, it was a pretty good game from him. It's just that considering how like little of a threat Cincinnati were and just the overall result of the game, it's hard to give him above a six. I was pretty generous. I gave him a seven for literally all the same reasons that Dakota said. You know, he was winning balls. I felt like he was very solid defender this game. All right, and then awful. Here's an awful. I mean... He was pretty much the center point of our point of attack. He was going forward a lot, but really didn't create anything. Um, I'm not really sure why that was was the case. Like what what the thought process was be- behind, you know, working through the whole attack behind your uh, your right back, but <laughs> it didn't really work out. Um, I'll give him, I'll give him a six for this game. It was pretty average. He did good on defense, but really in the attack, pushing forward, didn't offer very much, which is what we rely on our fullbacks for. So it was kind of disappointing in th- at that aspect. Yeah, I'll give him a five and a half. He uh, didn't necessarily do anything eye-popping in the attacking half. Um, considering the last 20 minutes, it was literally just pass the ball to him and hope that he can come up with something. I think it's was but I, I think it was pretty unfair on him that it got to that point, and I think we'll get to why it got to that point later. But I, I just it, – it, he was all right, but you don't want Harris – like Harrison Offal is a good complementary player, especially at this point in his career. You don't want him basically being the focal point of your attack for 20 minutes when you need a goal. But he wasn't horrible, five and a half. I was definitely more harsh than you guys. I I've give him a five. For the amount of chances that he was given in the attacking half, at least one of them has to be a, a solid creation. Some It has to get through to one of our forwards, even though, obviously, once once Adi was on, you know, kind of, our whole attack kind of died. But uh, I think it was before that. <laughs> uh, well, I agree. I'd agree with that for sure. But but once Adi was on, it, it, there was n- nothing that Harrison Offal could have done to, to put it give us a goal really but um yeah i just think for the amount of chances he had he should have had at least one really good ball for his i i i love him so i i i expect him to do good things 
I don't know. Man, I feel like a terrible person. I was like, maybe it's because I expected more out of him on offense, which I guess he is defending that game. <laughs> I just was, the whole game. I was like, everything he was trying just did not seem to like work. But I guess I, I could give him a four point five for effort. But just, I just thought he looked so out of place tonight. And I don't know if it's his fault as much as the boneheads around him, but I just the bonehead on the sideline. I just wasn't feeling it. Um. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Um, and then Eloy Room, man of the match. Yeah, I mean, man of the match. First game back after injury. Shot out a couple great saves. Um, I think we would have lost this game if he wasn't in goal. It, Tarbell would not have made nope. uh, a couple of the saves that he did. Like, they were just pretty uh, pretty good, like, save of the week type saves. Uh, I'll give him uh, eight. I agree, spot on. Eight, I think. It wasn't, you know, amazing, stand on his head, completely, you know, save the game for us, 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10 performance. But, um, you know, if a 7 out of 10 is a really solid goalkeeping performance, he was a notch above. Yeah, I'm an 8-5. I really – I the reason is because I believe that if Tarball was in goal, we would not have tied. We would have lost that game, like you said. So, uh, for that reason – I would call. I guess I would call that game saving. I mean, he made some game saving saves. So, A5. Yeah, so I don't know if he needed more offside or something, but I looked at the stats and FCC had two shots on target. So he had two saves, um, but they're both good because I remember seeing both of them. I remember seeing it three times. That's why I'm a little confused why there's only two shots. But I was like, Tarbell doesn't save that. One technically might have been off target. He might have had his, like, the one in the top corner might okay. have technically been online with, like, the post. Yeah, so if because the saves isn't on but the it's stats also, for it's some also, reason. Oh, it is down here. It's uh, also stats. Yeah, so here. Like <laughs> yeah. soccer stats are weird. Knows, uh, yeah. But yeah, so I give him a nine because I just think that I agree. I mean, if we weren't producing anything offense, excuse me, offensively, um, he is kind of the one who kept us to get that point by saving those goals because it could have easily been a loss. Um, I'm going to talk about the subs and then – we have a new segment called um, Cam's Rants, so uh, I don't have any audio for that yet, but um, I think this will lead into it, but the subs are just boneheaded. Um, 55 minute. Um, actually, this is the one we kind of called for, but I don't think we called for uh, Etienne to come in for Mokhtar, but we all thought it's time for some sort of attacking sub. 67th minute was a double sub. Um, the way I play FIFA, Boateng came on for Santos, and Alashe came on for Lucas. And then the 81st minute, giving Adi time um Instead of putting him on with Zardas, took Zardas off. So, have at it. I mean, I think with those subs, like, I mean, I, I understand, like, you know, we're, st- I mean, we're still, Luis Diaz didn't play tonight. I'm not 100% sure why some people are saying, they're speculating just because he's played the last two games and there's so many games in a window. But um, it's not, I don't even have anything necessarily against any of the players that came on, I think. I mean, I don't think their performances were any better or worse than the players who started the game. It's more of just, like, it was the same thing against New York City, same thing now. Like, if you're in a 0-0 game, why are you, like, why are you making a defensive sub? Like, Alashe coming on with Nagby and Artur, like, having three central midfielders has never worked for the crew as long as I've been a fan. And when you need a goal, it makes even less sense because you're taking a goal threat off the pitch. Like, I understand there are different systems and different ways you can score goals, 
But at the end of the day, especially in a game like that, you want as many people on the field who can score goals. And we were taking players off the field who could score goals and replacing them with players who could not score goals. And I don't know if we're playing for a 1-1 draw or what, but it's just – or a 0-0 draw, sorry. I think, yeah, I think he showed but, um, his hand that he wasn't playing for the win. But it's just – even against NYC, he makes the archer sub on for on for a, an attacking player, and then they score, and then we're down – and have used wasted a sub and have three midfielders where unless Nagby hits another volley from 35 yards, they're probably not going to score. And I understand you can build up and create with that. But at the end of the day for the second straight game, this game, it finished with Emmanuel Boateng, Derek Etienne Jr., Fernando Adi and 35, 36 year old, whatever Harrison awful is bombing down the right, trying to do stuff like that is not a formula to win at all. And, I, I just don't get it. And I understand there's fitness concerns with Lucas and Eunice. And I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, Pedro had a bad game, but it's still just like, why wouldn't you put audio, like even taking Zardes off? Why are we taking Zardes off? When, when in my opinion against Cincinnati, they were not very good. We should have gone for a win. I, I understand it's on the road. I understand theoretically it's a good point in the sense that like a point would have been better than if we lost, if lost by making attacking subs. But if you if you finish that game with Zardes and Adi in the box, maybe one of those crosses from Harrison falls to Zardes rather than nobody because none of the three central midfielders that were on the field are going to be getting in the box trying to score goals. So I, I just don't get that from Caleb. It's a second strike game, and maybe he just feels like long-term for the safety and health of the players, he just cannot overexert guys, and maybe like maybe our, some of our attacking players with the injuries they've had just are not ready to play 90 minutes, but it's just, it's just so demoralizing when you're like, man, all we need is one goal. And you're just making subs that kind of are just making that harder and harder. And it's two straight games. Yeah. Uh, I think it tips his hand uh, that he's not playing for the win, but I also think the point on the road um, when there's no fans is kind of overrated. I agree. mean, at this point I would view them as neutral venues, especially when it's a two hour drive, yeah. not, not a, cross-country play. I mean, this play. is the greatest derby in American yeah. sports, so, you know. Are, are, do you have any, what are, what are we going into now? You want me to keep going? Keep going, yeah. I was just doing the subs. You keep going. I That's kind of, my notes are kind of done. I was just. So, I mean, <sighs> I still, th- I mean, I still believe in all of the talents we have, talent we have on the team as individuals. Um that hasn't changed. I'm not going to let a couple games change the opinions I have of the players on this team. Um, and I, I want to hear what you guys think uh, when I'm done, but I just, I'm, I'm really concerned that I wouldn't say really concerned. I'm concerned that Minnesota had a week to look at us, figured out what to do, executed the game plan perfectly. We still could have won. We kind of played an off game. I think we played much better in that game than we have in the two previous um games but um it's just you know new york city then they kind of bunker get a chippy goal they just we're a really one-dimensional team right now it's pass 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 hopefully you can have a nice walking goal and those 22 pass goals are phenomenal but you cannot count on them sometimes you just need a big play you need some you need a midfielder spraying the ball over the top to a winger who just runs in on goal and finishes which I think Luis Diaz has the capabilities to do that and I would expect him to start doing that by the end of the year but games like tonight 
you have Eunice, he's kind of slow. Lucas, I wouldn't say he's slow, but he's not he's not a, he's not any sort of pace threat. Um, same thing with Pedro. It's just same with Zardes as well. And so when you've got four attacking players who, I mean, they rely on each other to just pass, 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 pass. Occasionally you're going to get a Lucas screamer. Pedro might curl one in. You're like, you're going to get good goals. We have enough talent that we will win games on individuals, but there needs to be some sort of plan B when a team shuts down our game, when they shut down our game plan, there needs to be something else where we say, okay, they're doing this to us. Now we have this that we can do to exploit what they're doing to us. And it's just, there's nothing right now. And I'm a little concerned because I mean, we had a great start to the season. I think anybody who's watched any of these games knows that the start of this season, which was much better and a lot more real than the start of last season where we started off really well. However, you know, maybe we lose to Philly on Wednesday. Maybe this game against Cincinnati goes, maybe it's another draw. Maybe it's in this league, especially with a shortened season, it can get, it can spiral out of control. It can get ugly fast. It's boom. Next thing you know, it's like the summer of, I don't know how many times during Berhalter where yeah. it's, oh, we've lost 13 of our last 15 games or yeah. not one, 13 of our last. Like, I just, I, even though it's, I don't want to overreact to three games, I think the three games have been the exact same. Something does need to change in the next couple games. And I'm going to give them, and obviously I'm going to give them time. Like, I'm by no means, like, I, it's for trolls, but I have, I have seen, like, the porter out that's bull crap but like he does need to kind of show like we won this way but now we can win in this way because you can't win in the same you can't win the same way and consistently win at the highest level in this league if you look at all the teams that have been good the atlantas the portlands the seattles the teams that like people outsiders would kind of look at the league and be like yeah those are the top mls clubs the ones that consistently every year are competing for the shield they might have an off year here or there, but they can win in a bunch of different ways. Like, and we just haven't shown the ability to do that yet. And so, again, this might sound like an overreaction. I'm very frustrated in the game that I just watched, and I'm sure tomorrow I'll be like, "All right, maybe it was a little too harsh." But I just, I'm, I just, I'd rather be a little prematurely concerned than, "Oh crap, we've lost six or seven the same yeah. exact way." Well, I think that this is the same thing we've been seeing since 2014. The first year Berhalter took over, we got, I think, 10 points in our first four top of the table, and then we went, I think, one tie or one win in 18 games or something like that. Um, they figured us out quickly, and I, that was my biggest beef with Berhalter. He never had a plan B. This is the way we're going to play. I don't care what happens. And the problem is everybody's doing their tape. Uh, they're reviewing the tapes on us. Um, I just hope that Porter, uh, Porter has some sort of plan B option because we have it. We have it this year. They built a team that can be really, really good um, and can do different things. But I, I just hope we actually see something other than our typical, you know, four, two, three, one. Same old, same old, same old. I'd, I'd like to see something else. And, and even if it is, you know, that same kind of formation, same personnel, the same personnel should be able to perform different ways. Like, and it's just like tonight, it was just pass a bunch. I think one difference between Porter and Burhalter. Burhalter had these. It kind of makes you think of. Uh, do you remember that old? It's kind of like a hockey foosball. Those old. I don't know if you maybe you're too old, young to remember those, but they had these things where the players were on tracks. 
that's kind of how Burhalter played. Like, these are the runs you're going to do. This is when you're going to come, and this is what you're going to yeah. do. I think Porter gives them more freedom, but they're still kind of, I don't know if they still have Burhalter mentality, but they don't really do creative things. And that's why I got so excited at the beginning of the season and the beginning of MLS's back because we did see some of that. We saw a lot of, if I remember right, I thought the goals in March came from long balls from the back. I haven't. I didn't. I don't think I saw one long ball this game. Uh, I'm not saying there wasn't one. I just don't remember it. And I, and I still think like. I, I think Porter. Like the one thing is like, I think under Burhalter. Like again, like maybe we lose this game one. No, I think there's more. Porter has found something, and and maybe maybe he hasn't. But in my opinion, since Porter's been under control, we're better at grinding out games and still getting results, even when we play bad. Versus Burlter, I we just if we weren't on our game, it was game over. Whereas, I still think even if we kind of stay this kind of one-dimensional team that struggles to adapt, we'll still get points because of a the quality and b we just have there's just the team is much stronger as far as, like it it really is mentality. It's it that's what it seems like at least. It's just they will like the players do fight. They do work hard constantly. And I appreciate that about the team, but it's just some something's off, and I hope it gets fixed before it's too late. And and I still think even playing like this, I think we're a playoff team. It's just that I look at this talent on paper, and it's just like I just really feel like we have the ability to be one of the two to three best teams in the league. And it's just if we keep if we play like we have recently we'll just be kind of back to, you know, fourth, fifth, Obscured. fourth, fifth, fourth, fifth. I mean, the East, just yeah. have Not good years here and there. But like, I don't know. I don't want to overreact. I'd love to hear what Max and Dakota think. Me too. You know, uh, it was, that was a lot of like condemning the players and, and such. And I agree. I agree with every, literally everything you said. Um, but I just want to bring up, what is the common thread between Chicago, NYCFC, and Cincinnati? They're all very low on the table. And that's why I guess I am not as worried at the moment. Because it makes me think maybe this is just, maybe it's a restarting issue. Maybe it's, maybe it's just um, we're stooping to their level. Maybe it's just, um, you know. What I'm getting at is, Wednesday against Philly is going to be where I decide whether which way I'm leaning because I agree with you. Uh, Burhalter era, I don't want this to turn into a 13 to last 15 lost. You know, I, I, I would really like to break this streak now. I think that would be the way that we can show that we are not the, the same team that we have been for the past five, six years. Yeah, and I think the thing that pops into my mind about the the kind of i don't know uh fall in play is the amount of hiccups and breaks in the season i think if we had started in march and had just played a regular season like normal all all the months like just nonstop i think we would be kind of in a different situation and maybe have been able to build that plan b plan c but we've started in march obviously had those couple months where we didn't play, didn't practice, do anything, came back for MLS's back tournament, did that, did it well uh, for the group stage anyway. And then, you know, 
now, now we're coming back to the regular season after we had a, yet another break for a couple of weeks. So there's, uh, for me, I just think it's a matter of time for the team to really click and really get to know each other because we do have new faces, uh, new faces within the past couple of weeks, new faces uh, e- even from the beginning of the season that still haven't completely under- understood who else is around them. Uh, so I think that's a that's a good thing to kind of keep in the back of mind. I, I know um, it, it like seeing what we've seen in Burhalter Ball, we just kind of have that kind of stain in, in the way that we think. Um, but I think Porter is, I, I don't know, he, he's a lot more tactical than Burhalter and the way that he, he goes forward and does those kind of things. So I think going forward definitely if if we start seeing the same thing you know five games from now if players or if teams still break us down easily uh if if they say that we're only that one dimensional type team and still just park the bus and we can't do anything then yeah i think that that's when we really need to start being concerned but right now i think it's just a matter of getting the group focused no breaks just pedal to the metal yeah i think Really, all three of us are saying the same thing. Um, Cam, I, you, you, I mean, you kept saying, you know, this might be too early. I might wake up tomorrow and say, you know, I might be overreacting a little bit. I think that, you know, you're really having the same thoughts as us is that we're, you know, give it a couple more games, then let's get worried. For, for sure. And I agree. I'm just, I'm just being cautious because it like, I mean, I don't want to say I have like PTSD as a crew fan, yeah. but I kind of do. Like, it's just kind of like. I have seen this before. I've seen stretches of really good play. Never where I felt as good about the team. Like there are like there were there have been years even even the 2015 team it was just like we just got hot at the right time. I think higher of this team and this group of players than I do even that team. But um I I think it's just a yeah, I I would agree. I do feel like I completely agree with both, both of you guys said it's just a difference of difference of wording and difference of mentality all of us have different ways of viewing it i just uh i just i if we go out we play well against philly we destroy cincinnati next week we finish out this phase on a good note going to the next one looking good like then yeah no this was then for sure just a bump in the road had some injuries had to figure out a few things kind of just i mean really just a result of kind of the wacky schedule that we had this year totally agree it's just i also in the back of my mind i'm like all right but if that doesn't happen then like and again me saying something has no impact on the actual team it's not like caleb porter's listening to this and like oh yeah you know he says we shouldn't be one-dimensional i'm gonna not be one-dimensional obviously he's probably thinking of these things too and trying we know that bez listens because you know because he didn't schedule a home game during my wedding (laughs) my original wedding date but uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, again, I'm not. I'm not overreacting. I believe in this group of players. As frustrated as I am with Porter, I mean, he's probably the most frustrated. Like, like I'm more frustrated in him than I am with any of the players. Um, but it's just like, it's. it's I'm not out on him or anything. I don't want to. I don't want to put that across. Like, I completely believe in this team and this group of players. Uh, I just think we can be better than we have been. No, I I completely agree with what you're saying. I've I've never believed in a team more than I believe in this twenty, well twenty twenty Columbus Crew team. I like truly I think that we have so much talent 
that we can be such a great team. Yeah, I, I have no issue. I think Caleb Porter is a great coach. He'll figure this out. I'm not worried. I'm really, I'm really not worried. I'll be worried after Wednesday. Yeah, for me, the difference is, I guess, for the first time in several years, I allowed myself at the beginning of the season to think, oh, this is actually going to be a really good team. And we saw in March, yeah, they really are a good team. Um, so that's probably why I'm more frustrated with I'm more frustrated with it. It might be a slow game. It might be. What would you guys think if this was used because we have all these new players? This was used as a good team, and we end up not making the playoffs this year, but the next year we make a run and we're top of the table the entire season. I mean, would you view this season as a failure if that's the way that we go? Because that's one of the things for me. I wasn't expecting anything out of MLS's back. I was like, well, whatever. Soccer's back. Great. Yay. But, man, it was just to see us go 7 nothing in three games was pretty, was pretty awesome. Um, so, Maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's just let's figure this out with these players and you know come back in a year that's a full year after this corona's done. Yeah, and I think in a way these frustrations are kind of like a compliment to how much we respect this team because the expectations are super high. Like they did a fantastic job in the offseason bringing in the right pieces and setting us up for success. And I, I don't know. I just feel like us as crew fans in general, we're just so hungry for any kind of title any kind of uh i don't know like recognition or anything like literally anything we haven't won anything in over 10 years so like we're just hungry for that for being at the top and like that kind of i i don't i am well anyway. carolina challenge cup and <laughs> uh but but yeah i mean like we're 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 going in the right direction for sure and if not this year i think within the next couple of years especially with the new stadium coming like i i think next year in the year following they're really going to pump in money, try to get good players, and really try to like boost this team up m- more than we've ever seen before. I honestly would have told you before the season that not making the playoffs would have been okay because of all the new faces and such. But now, at the point that we are right now, if we did not make the playoffs, I would view that as a complete tragedy. Yeah, because I think we overachieved. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> so that's kind of set us up for, for disappointment. But I, I honestly think that we will make the playoffs. I, this, yeah. Yeah. This, I don't, I don't care like, if we don't make a run. Is it like sixty percent of the teams this year make it, or more? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. better. But I, th- I mean, I think in hindsight, yeah, we missed the playoffs this year. Next year, we win the cup. Obviously, we're gonna be like, okay, yeah, that was cool. But no, like I, I think like if this team is not a top three seed in the East, it'll be a failure in my eyes. Maybe not a failure. It'll be a disappointment if we are not a top seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, failure would probably have to be missing the playoffs. But, um, yeah, I just – I mean, I just – I believe in I, – I think there's just no excuse not to be good this year. I think, yeah, new faces, yeah, sure. But, like, every team is constantly getting new faces. Sure, like, you could say our two best players are both new and, like, we have all this new talent. Like, maybe we do need – but there's also just – so much talent that it sh- it shouldn't even matter as far as you know getting ab- adapted and whatnot um i i do agree with dakota i think not only do i think are we starving for you know a trophy a supporter shield even even an open cup mls cup whatever um i think even for me it's just if i could just watch a team which obviously they'd be competing for the shield if this were the case but even just seeing a team play good week in, week out, like just every single, like I had so much fun watching this team 
playoffs is Cincinnati and then Red Bulls and Atlanta was all right, but just like when when you like even like Chicago, we put we like we score three goals. Just seeing the Columbus Crew score a lot of goals and win games is really fun. And so then when you have a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a rough patch, it's like man, I I just like I miss it. I, I'm I'm so not used to scoring so many goals, and I I just want more. I want more. I right. want this every single week, and I believe we have that ability. So it's kind of heightened. It's made my standards a little bit higher yeah. to where I get frustrated when I feel like we could have easily beat the Cincinnati team tonight, but we didn't. That's how I feel about my expectations. And when anybody raves about a movie, I'm always like, it's good. I'm not gonna enjoy it. But if somebody's like, this is the dumbest movie you've ever seen, and I go watch it, and sometimes it's the best, and that's kind of how I feel. Expecting nothing, and I got now I'm disappointed. <laughs> um, so I have three questions um, from the Ask P4C. Um, did we have anything else to say about this game? We kind of ended on a happy note, and then we'll end on Philadelphia score prediction. Yeah, let's leave it on a happy note. All right. Uh, oops, wrong one. Extra time. <laughs> yeah, we we'll skip that one, and we're gonna do this. Listener questions at halftime. So one of the listener questions is actually from Todrick33. Um, I did want to I did want to point out that I was pretty excited that because uh, I'm I'm kind of an MLS conspiracy conspiracy person. It's not that I think the MLS is out to get anybody. I just think that they're they don't care about soccer and they're in it for the money. So I've been saying all along I've been that what they're trying to do is force these games to be home games, and then that way they don't have to refund us our tickets that we've already paid for. But actually, um, the policy, at least from the crew, is that um, any 2020 matches that are actually played before a stadium, before in the stadium, before fans, will actually be separately ticketed. They'll do it based on um, seniority and things like that. Um, and I think DeWine's, I think 1,500 or is it 2,500? People are allowed to be at professional sports games or something like that? I think it was 15. 1,500. So uh, I wanted to, um, from Columbus, it was, uh, quote, please know that your decision whether or not to purchase any available 2020 tickets will not have any effect on your tenure or new stadium priority seat, uh, access for 2021. So I just want to applaud the front office for that. <laughs> I expect my check to be in PayPal soon. But no, seriously, I think that that's awesome because I've seen other teams, I think Kansas City was one that said the opposite. If we provide tickets to you, it's going to count against you in your seniority. And I'm just... In these times, I don't know. Now, I asked Dakota about three weeks ago, would you go to a home game? And my answer was, I don't think so. So I wanted to ask now, if 1,500 tickets were available, uh, would you go, let's just use the Cincinnati game, would you go to a home game? I'm just curious what you guys think in the pandemic. Use that as context. Honestly, like, I don't even know. Yeah. Like, I am starving, like, trying my hardest to say no. Yeah. But I also really, really miss going to the stadium. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think if there's any possible way for everybody to do whatever possible for us to all be able to go to the games next year, that's that's it. And yeah. if, if we don't get to go to any games this year to make that happen, then so be it. Um, but, yeah, like I just want to go back to the, to the stadium, enjoy games like normal as soon as possible. But – I I just don't feel like going now would be the best option. Yeah. I wouldn't go to a home game. And it's not the concern like 
when you're sitting watching the game, I'm sure you could socially distance yourself from the other 1,498 people. But my concern is leaving and entering. It's, you know, walking into the stadium. It's walking around the stadium, getting food, all that stuff. You know, I you can conspire. You can say whatever you want about coronavirus. But, like, at the end of the day, I'm just going to – be safe better safe than sorry so i i probably would not see a game no yeah for me it's just a pretty clear cut no um i'm not even gonna necessarily get into why but i just no like i mean like i think right now i feel no today and i would need to see like two to three to four months of this thing really heading in a positive direction for yeah. me to feel comfortable. So, I mean, on the hypothetical, everything just goes perfectly from now. It'd be great to like hypothetically think like, Oh, it'd be cool to like return, you know, and play MLS, like watch MLS cup, like, yeah. Or something like that. But just cause like obviously seeing the crew win MLS cup in person would be a dream come true. So it would really suck if, you know, they play MLS Cup, you know, at Montfrey Stadium, and we can't be there. Um, you mean win MLS Cup at Montfrey Stadium? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Um, I just think, like, I just think there's no way. Like, at this point, I'm honestly, like, I'm kind of concerned about March, and that's where, like, yeah. I just, like, like, I'm, like I, like, I just, my mind is not even on 2020 at all. It's, like, Am I, is this going to get to the point where I'm going to feel comfortable in March 2021, April, May? Like, because I mean, you look at this thing and everyone says, like, oh, well, it eventually, like, it's been what, six months? Like, yeah. It's, about five. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, almost six. Yeah. Because it's almost September. But for me, like, when I, so when they sent out that survey about two months ago, it was so skewed in the way of, you know, how would you come? And I'm like, heck no, there's no way I would come. Um, the only thing that would change is when they said 1,500 fans, that would, how many sections are there? About 25? So that'd be what, like 20 people per section? And my math is probably way off. But then I thought about it. Why would I want to go to a soccer game and watch it alone? Like even yeah. though I don't sit with you guys or stand with you guys, most of the times we either eat out before or after or um, sometimes drive together, sometimes not. It's just, that's the whole, to me, the whole point of being at the game is a huge part of, and I'm not saying I've never gone alone. But that's such a huge part of it that it would not be fun to sit by yourself. Because I remember even in 105 during that World, uh, the MLS Cup game that didn't happen, I mean, people were standing the whole game arm to arm, and that was awesome. Like Even though, obviously, we didn't win the game, but that whole camaraderie, like, hey, we're in this cheering it together was kind of fun. And so that's been – so that, to me, would be the hard part. I would consider it with 1,500 people, but I just – there'd be no point. Like, if I wouldn't get to see the people that I love, like, what would the point be? I would just rather watch it. Yeah, like at home, <laughs> like going to soccer games. Like aside from actually going to watch the game, it's like it's a whole experience, right? Like, you, if I go to a game with fifteen hundred people, it's not going to be anywhere near the same atmosphere, the nope. same type of uh, like fun. <laughs> yeah, because like like you said, you're just going to go sit in bleachers by yourself. Maybe like one or two people that go with you sit around you, <laughs> but like it's just not going to be the same. And like I feel like right now. It would honestly be more fun to just stay at home or get together with a couple friends and, like, I don't know. Yeah. Just no, I agree. And then the other thing about um, 
uh, is that I kind of hope, even though I have starved, and I mean, we do go out to eat, me and Andrea, and sometimes, and there's nobody at restaurants, but I, I would, I'm more in favor of a slow opening so that when March comes, we can have that 100% capacity. Or actually, um, not necessarily March, but when that new stadium opens, that that can be 100% capacity. Because yeah. I hope that they make the decision to not open that stadium if this is still going on a year from now, and that we play that that first home opener game, it has to be 100% crew fans. It just has to be. Yeah, that's what I'm most worried about yeah. is that this is still going on by the time the new stadium opens. I will I will be so sad. Yeah. I'll be so sad if we have to play a game in that stadium and the it, cool, we don't have fans there. The cool part about Columbus, though, is they, they're not planning on tearing down Mafray. So, like, I know some of the other teams that built stadiums, they didn't have the ability. So I'm not sure what that looked like financially or contract-wise, but that's something that I think would be interesting. All right, last two questions and then uh, – uh, they're dumb questions, so they should be fast. Sorry, Keith Nas. But um, what's your favorite musical? Does anybody here actually like musicals? Yes. Oh, okay. So Max has an answer. Go. I like it. both Hamilton, which is uh-huh. an obvious answer, and then uh, I saw Chicago mm. two, three years ago. Eddie George played a part in it, running back for Ohio State, if nobody knows. He's a legend. He won a Heisman. Um, and it was great. NFL boss. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> NFL boss. What about Cameron Dakota? Are you guys really musical fans? Uh, no, not at all. Um, I mean, I've never. It's I haven't even like really given it a try, so I can't say I don't like it. But um, there was one. There was like one pretty good uh Hamilton song that was on um, Kristen Press's IG story one time that kind of banged. But like <laughs> other than that, I can't offer much on this topic. I just get a head shake from Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have nothing to add. I've not seen anything and it doesn't really spark my interest. Well, I love I, I'm more like the the visual musical that Lucas does on the oh, field. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Dear Evan Hansen. I know that's pretty recent, but um, the music is really, really good. Really good story about, you know, a kid who suffers from anxiety. Um, so it just spark, speaks to home and I just think it's excellent. Go watch Dear Evan Hansen. Uh, we've always wanted, joking, we wanted to turn this into a food podcast so I'm going to modify the question. Yay or nay on, pizza, on pineapple on pizza? Trash. Trash. Oh, man. Max, you said trash too? Trash. Um, if there's no other option, I guess I would eat it because it's pizza. But, like, I, I would literally rather have any other type of pizza. Man, what if you had, like, one of those things where you could put any topping you want on it? No pineapple? Oh, man, I love pineapple pepperoni. There's a place here, Four Points. You ever been to Four Points Pizza? Mm-mm. Oh, man, they've got a Hawaiian. It's got, like, cinnamon, pecans, um, pineapple, ham, pepperoni. It's amazing. My thoughts on pineapple and pizza are kind of like Tyson Wall at center back. It's like you almost <laughs> would rather just play with 10 men. Like, I would rather not eat than eat pineapple and pizza. Just like I would rather play with 10 men and one center back than play with Tyson Wall. <laughs> oh, man. Also, guess, imagine having that guy being in charge of the youth at your club. <laughs> well, trash. He's so bad. <laughs> well, I'm glad that um, I'll, I'll gladly hold the fort on the pineapple and pizza. It's delicious. So real quick, uh, score predictions on the good old uh, Philadelphia match. You, you don't have to be bound to these, but as now, where we sit depressed after a 0-0 draw with Cincinnati against a team that's pretty good coming up here on Wednesday against Philadelphia, what do we think? Yeah, um, I I would still have to analyze a little bit more before I can fully lock in. But right now, uh, 
Philly Philly's good. Like they score goals, they score good goals. They have great team chemistry and it's probably going to be the best test that we've seen so far this year. Um so I'm going to say 2-1 crew. Ooh, that's not what I was expecting, but I'll take it. 2-1 Philly. I was going to say 2-1, but I'm going to go 1-0, except I have no idea who wins. I, no, ju- I just Commit don't. right now. You want me to commit? Commit. Okay, I, I do like truly feel that the crew can pull out a 1-0 victory. Their defense is strong enough to hold Philly from scoring. The thing also about Philly is they're not a team to sit back, so it's going to be a lot more open. Um, we're going to have those chances to get forward, maybe a couple counterattacks where we weren't able to do that against Cincinnati, New York, Minnesota, because there just wasn't that space. The parking buses. Yeah, but Philly, they go for it. So we're going to have to be ready defensively and offensively, ready to you know, capitalize on those opportunities. Should be a good game to actually watch. I'm still going with a 1-1 draw. Um, I'm, I know I'm riding the fence on that one. I know I made you commit, but I'm riding the fence. All right, well. Sounds pretty hypocritical to me. <laughs> Are we going to uh, predict Cincinnati, too, next, for next oh, week? Oh, man. Yeah, let's do it. I have, last. I have a one oh crew, I think. I think it'll still be a pretty disappointing performance. Um just because I think against any sort of team with a plan, basically basically not Chicago or Atlanta or even, you know, Red Bulls or Cincinnati the first time playing. Sorry. Um <laughs> I, I think I, I think we're better than Cincinnati. I think we could have easily won tonight. I think it'll be a similar game. I just think we'll come out on top. We'll make enough adjustments to squeeze out a win, but it'll still be kind of – it'll be pretty nervy. So I'll go um, 2-1 crew, but they'll go down 1-0. But it'll be Locadia early or something. It'll be a stupid goal early, and then – FCC is going to park the bus as hard as they can. And then the crew are going to score, and then they're going to stop parking the bus, and they're going to try and go get another goal to win, and they're not going to. And we're going to counter, and we're going to win 2-1. That is my guess. I committed to that. Did you hear that? That was a commitment. <laughs> no, that was a very good commitment. I appreciate it. Thank you. Coda. Uh, I, I think we'll be able to work out the kinks, or I hope so anyway. Um, so I'm going to say 2-0 crew. Oh, nice. I'm cautiously optimistic. I was going to say 2-1 crew as well. I don't think that uh, FCC will get their first goal because if they do, I think this team will collapse and we'll lose 1-0 if they get the first goal. Um, so we'll get the first goal. Um, they'll tie it up. Then they'll try to park the bus, and then we'll uh, we'll get that last goal. I don't see us scoring. If they score and then we they park the bus again, like 75th, I don't, I don't think they can, they can squeeze out another. I think if we hit them hard but for But yet like we can squeeze them to 70 minutes. Two them. Okay. I, that's what I think. Yeah. Good, good. Well, hopefully we record again before another five months passes. <laughs> um, and I do have one more sad note. Um, right before the game, it was official that Weston McKinney went to UV. How is that related to the Columbus crew? It's related to uh, he should have gone to Well, the honestly, it's good for the Columbus crew because when he goes there and never plays, maybe like <laughs> his career will just spiral out, spiral out of control, and we'll get him in a couple of years. Oh, I like that idea. And I'm also, just, I'm just kidding. He's good. He'll he'll still he'll struggle for play time this year, but he'll get a nice loan move next year, and then a nice permanent move in two years, and be back on track to being a 
quality of transnational team. Yeah, prospect. and I'm leading the uh, bandwagon of Messi to Columbus Crew. So pretty excited about him coming to play for us. Does yeah. Lucas give up the number ten shirt for him though? No. no. <laughs> if he's self-respecting, he wouldn't do it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll call it quits there. This is the longest ever podcast, other than that World Cup podcast we did. But uh, for Dakota Stewart at Dakota Stewart and Cam McKay at Cam McKay ninety seven. And special guest Max Brunke at Max Brunke Tweets. I've been Todd Fickenberg at Talk33. Um, until next time, don't forget to use that hashtag AskP4C. Stay safe and see you next time. Vamos con luz. Do the dumb thing. Whoa. Not dumb. <laughs> Alright, welcome to Cod... Yeah. Welcome to Cod... Podcast. Podcast. Big fish guys. Talking about Warzone today. <clears throat> Big fan of Codcast for Columbus. Cod... <laughs> <laughs> Can't speak. Unless I hear Cod... Here on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs>